Theme The End Time Harvest. Scripture Text, Hosea 6 2 After two days will He revive us, in the third day He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight. Praise God precious saints. Precious saints many of you have been faithfully joining in our weekly corporate Friday fast, along with the monthly fasting programs for some time. Now I am currently in Southern Africa igniting the fires of revival within the hearts of those that hunger and thirst for more of the Lord. And the truth is we are drawing ever closer to the soon snatching away of the Bride of Christ, therefore I want us to press into the Lord for 21 days starting on the first day of May. The harvest is ready to reap and we must pray to the Father for more laborers to come into support bring in the end-time harvest. According to Scripture and by my personal experience I am convinced that when God's people set aside time to pray and fast with a proper biblical motive seeking God's face and not His hand alone with a broken, repentant, and contrite spirit, God will hear from heaven and heal our lives, our families, our churches, our communities, our nation, and world. Prayer and fasting combined with deep hunger for God can bring about revival that will manifest change in the direction of our families, nations, the globe, and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. The awesome power can be released through you, as you pray through the enabling of the Holy Spirit. God desires to bring revival to those who truly hunger and thirst for change and more of God. This specific prayer and fasting program is designed to bring an awaken to you and your homes mostly. Ephesians 5:14. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The goal of that revival we are also praying for is for God's glory to be revealed to a watching world that needs to know Him within this time of uncertainty. When large numbers or high percentages of people are transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, spiritual awakening is the result. Families and communities change. Cities change. And yes, nations can change. Revival however in this case has an opportunity of starting within your homes. Spiritual awakening is what we need in our nations, but revival of God's people is a spiritual prerequisite. Each day in this prayer guide, you will read one whole chapter of the Gospel of John and then reflect on that chapter as an individual, family, or church. Then you will read each day's thoughts for revival for the day, and I pray they will challenge and encourage you to desire God more and more. During the 21 days, we will believe God for revival, miracles, and breakthrough in our spiritual lives. Whether this is your first time fasting or you have done these many times, the result is always a closer connection with God and a stronger church family. We are living at a time that the family unit is being under attack to the highest degree since the beginning of time. Satan knows that family is important to God, as it reflects the triune Godhead. In Genesis chapter 3 we see when Satan deceived Eve in the garden, he caused mankind to fall in the home, as the Garden of Eden was the home of Adam and Eve. It is in the home that we sin more than perhaps anywhere else, and it is to the home that revival first needs to come. Revival is desperately needed in the church, in the country, in the world, but a revived church with unrevived homes would be sheer hypocrisy. It is the hardest place, the costliest, but the most necessary place to begin. It is God's desire for you to have strong families built up and grounded strong in faith, that will be separate from this world and all its trappings. When the Israelites were coming out of Egypt on their way to the Promised Land, they would camp and when they saw the glory cloud descend upon the tent of meeting, each family would stand at the door of their tent and worship God in one accord. Exodus 33 9-10 As Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance, and the Lord would speak with Moses. 10 When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they would stand up and worship, each one at the entrance to his tent. How much more does God desire for families to be unified by the bond of His Spirit, that they also may worship Him in spirit and in truth? Therefore, I would like to encourage all those that are wanting to go to a deeper level in the Lord and that desire their families to be revived to join in this month of May for the next three weeks praying for a revival of God's presence and work in your own lives, our families and church. The 21-Day Fasting Program
This is an event anybody can partake of anywhere around the world within your church groups and home, with the main purpose of getting families to repent and turn back to God with the help of prayer according to 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This time of fasting and prayer allows us as to prioritize our relationships with the Lord as individuals and families of those that wish to participate during this time. The 21 days of prayer consists of abstaining from food and a variety of five different options as outlines below. It also will include of abstaining from all forms of worldly TV, music, games, media social media, non-Christian, etc. Remember the five wise virgins kept their oil full by spending time with the Lord and preparing for the coming of the Bridegroom. How much more should we also prepare as wise virgins, waiting for the rapture of the remnant church? Now you may watch Christian materials during this time as an individual or family, but for those in families doing this with your children, then this is also to break many of the bad habits, iPad, cartoons, music etc., that are keeping them away from prayer that the Lord may open their spiritual eyes to be revived and see visions and dreams according to Joel 2:28. Though we are on different timelines, I encourage you to just follow the dates for your respective countries along with your time. Date, Monday 1st of May to Sunday 21st of May 2023. What am I required to fast from? We want to leave this decision ultimately up to you. See we do not have any mandatory church-wide requirements for how you fast, but here are a few ideas to help you and your families and friends out with. Prayer Type Prayer Instructions Each day you will be required to read one chapter of the book of John and then discuss this chapter as a family according to things to ponder for each day. You also will reflect on the revival thoughts for the day and pray according to the Holy Spirit's leading. Food Fast When we choose not to eat or not to eat certain foods, we allow our physical bodies to hunger and to bring our desires into alignment with our spiritual need for God. There is a clarity in hearing from the Lord which comes when we fast and pray, making a small sacrifice to give up a pleasure or comfort to increase your spiritual sight and vision. We are providing the following options for you to consider. 1. Food Fast you fast from all foods from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day with fluids allowed. 2. Skip one meal a day. You can just skip one meal a day. 3. Partial fast. You choose to eliminate certain things i.e. fizzy drinks, sweet-slash-chocolates, bread, no red meat etc., but the rest of your diet remains mainly the same. 4. Fruit and veg. Eat fruit during the day, with liquids, tea-slash-limited coffee, herbal drinks, and water, with a veg meal in the evenings. 5. Liquid fast. Liquids only during day and veg meal for dinner. Drink water and herbal drinks during the day with a veg meal in the evenings. Please consult your doctor if there are any medical concerns before you commence the fast. Media fast. As already mentioned above during this time we encourage you to turn off the TV, yes, I would encourage all to abstain from all forms of worldly TV, music, games, media social media etc. Now you may watch Christian materials during this time as an individual or family. But for those in families doing this with your children this is a good opportunity to break many of the bad habits that are keeping them away from prayer that the Lord may open their spiritual eyes to be revived and see visions and dreams according to Joel 2:28. When we do this, we create more time when we can read our Bible, pray, worship and hear from God. Search your heart in deciding what type of food fast you want to do. If you have never fasted, maybe start off with a partial fast and progress to a fruit and veg option for the last 14 days. Remember, the most important consideration in fasting is your motive. Why are you fasting? What will we be praying about? We are placing the Lord as priority in our lives to bring about the breakthroughs, the new, the renewal and the revival, in us and the global body of Christ. It is time to move forward into God's destiny for each of our lives. 
Check each day for the next day's prayer themes and scriptures so you may follow together. We are trusting the Lord that this time of fasting and prayer will release a passion for His name within us, to cut off what belongs to a past season, to receive renewed hope and vision for our lives-slash-ministries, to be conduits for signs, wonders, and miracles and to fulfill the mandate of sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth. During this time of fasting, be intentional about your priorities. Set aside ample time to be alone with the Lord. The more time you spend with God, the more meaningful your fast will be. If you need an overview or suggestions on what you can do to make the most of the fast in terms of having a daily routine, use the below points. Morning. Begin your day in praise and worship. Read and meditate on God's Word. Invite Holy Spirit to work in you. Noon. Take a short prayer walk. Spend time in intercessory prayer for the theme of the day. Evening. Make time for an unhurried time of seeking God's face. If others are fasting with you, meet for prayer and read one chapter of the book of John and then discuss this chapter, as a family according to things to ponder for each day. You also will reflect on the revival thoughts for the day and pray according to the Holy Spirit's leading. Avoid television or any other distraction that may affect your spiritual focus. When possible, begin and end each day with your spouse, family, or friend for a brief time of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Please let us know you will be fasting and praying with us, by commenting on the blog. If you have not already downloaded the app to receive updated posts on our blog to stay up to date. Practical Tips for Fasting 1. Avoid medical and even natural herbal drugs. However, if you are under medication, these should only be withdrawn upon the advice of your doctor or you could try just skipping one meal a day allowing you to still take medication. 2. Limit your physical activity and exercise. If you have a workout routine, adjust it accordingly. 3. Rest as much as you can if needed be. 4. Maintain an attitude of prayer throughout the day. Intercede for your family, pastors, church, nation, missionaries and world missions, etc. 5. Drink plenty of clean water if you are joining the water fast. 6. As your body adjusts, be prepared for temporary bouts of physical weakness as well as a greater likelihood of impatience, irritability, and anxiety. Fasting brings revival. In the first year of his reign I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last seventy years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with Him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel 9 2,3. Fasting helps us prevail in prayer and intercession. Daniel understood that Israel was headed for destruction. He also knew that in times like these, there is only one recourse, intercession through praying and fasting. Throughout human history, God has brought revival and delivered nations from destruction in response to prayer and fasting. Fasting is an act of humility and consecration. I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting, Psalm 35 13. Humility results in the grace of God, James 4 6. When we humble ourselves in prayer, we have instant access to the heart of God. As we deny ourselves as an act of consecration, we are better able to exercise self-control over our emotions and desires. Spiritual cleansing and spiritual eyes opened. Fasting can be done for one meal, one day, one month or for however long God leads. It depends on how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Shorter fasts are easier to endure until we have built up our spiritual muscles. A three-day fast is most beneficial as a spiritual cleansing. An example of this is Paul's being thrust into his fast upon conversion. After the three days of cleansing, he received the Holy Spirit and his eyesight when Ananias laid hands on him, Acts 9 17-18. We also can be spiritually cleansed by fasting so that we receive more of the Lord's Spirit and have our spiritual eyes open to new dimensions. A three-day fast is also especially helpful in breaking any addictive habits. These then are two reasons for fasting, 
we receive spiritual cleansing, and our spiritual eyes are opened, and we also obtain victory over the devil. When Jesus encountered Satan, he was able to overcome him because his fasting had given him spiritual strength. Isaiah 58 6 also gives us light on this purpose of fasting, is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Many people believe that fasting is to move the hand of God, when, it is to make Satan turn loose of the things he is holding. Breaking strongholds and building faith. Fasting looses the bands of wickedness. When Jesus discussed the keys to the kingdom, he told us to bind and loose. When we fast, we loose the bands of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, set the oppressed free, and break every yoke of the enemy. Fasting is an important key to getting the victory over hard situations that do not seem to respond to normal prayer. Fasting builds our faith. In fact, this is what Jesus meant when he spoke to the disciples in Matthew 17:21 in answer to why they were not able to cast a demon out of a child. He said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. He was telling them if they wanted their faith to be at such a level as to be able to cast out demons, then they must fast and pray for their faith to increase. Fasting also makes it easier for us to hear the voice of the Lord. We find an account of this in Acts 13 2 while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. While fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and gave them direction. We too can be directed by the Lord if we seek Him through prayer and fasting. When we deny our natural cravings, our spiritual antennas become more attuned. We become more sensitive to His voice as we divest ourselves of worldly distractions. We are better able to focus on God and submit to His will. This opens the door for more of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Fasting and mourning are strongly associated in the Bible. Two examples of this are found in Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra 10:6. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Jehohanan the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread, nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. Nehemiah 1:4. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. From these scriptures, we see that fasting and travail, a prayer burden from the Lord that brings crying and tears, were combined. Both men were fasting for the repentance of God's people. How we need this same kind of intercession today. Here were men so burdened for the sins of their people that they fasted, travailed, and prayed. Praying for forgiveness. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Two and Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans, because they suffered such things? 3 I tell you, no, but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. 4 Or those eighteen on whom the tower in Silom fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? 5 I tell you, no, but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. Luke 13 1-5. Day 1 the 1st of May 2023, please first read the whole of John chapter 1. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss, as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. What's in a name? Sometimes quite a bit. In these different names for Jesus we see him as a lamb, what were lambs used for in Jewish tradition? And a king. We also see him as the son of God and the son of man, the word became flesh. He is our teacher, and he is our savior. Why not start a list of the names and descriptive words used for Jesus that you find in this chapter of John? We've given you some names here, but there are more you can add. Revival thoughts for today, the hopelessness of the prisoners led to unbridled violence.
I heard of a testimony of a young man in Bible college within South Africa that ministered in one of the worst youth prisons many years ago and he ministered despite of being very fearful of those that were forced to attend his ministerial visit. The hardest of criminal youth was there. See even the warden of the prison realized the only lasting change would have to be a moral reformation that starts in the heart from the gospel, so that is why he asked the Bible college dean to come to talk to the young people. After the young Bible college student minister the prisoners came to Christ and soon began to share their faith with others. A reformation was underway. The young men began to grow spiritually and gain victory over sinful behaviors, by praying and ready scripture daily with all completely changing and being released back into society never to be the same. They began to reflect Christ-likeness in their actions and behaviors. They shared this good news and hope, and new life began to spread, and a spiritual awakening took place. Do you believe the God who had transformed these young youth could transform your family, your community? That is what we are seeking and praying for. Let us pray saints. 1. Pray that God will increase your faith to believe that the change He can bring to an Ephesus in Paul's day and to a youth prison in our day will begin to transform your family and community as people come to faith in Christ. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do over the course of the next three weeks to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Pray for an alertness and an awakening from spiritual slumber, and a grafting in of the saints into the body. 4. Declare readiness over God's people for radical change. 5. Decree that lives are being characterized by an increasing hunger for a new move of God. 6. Begin to petition God that whatever is needed to get your family saved that the Lord would remove every obstacle from you and your family serving the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. 7. Declare that every area of your life will begin to manifest the blessings and evidence of open heavens as the Lord tarries in the name of Jesus. 8. Invite God to use you, seek out every opportunity to pray for others to bring glory to the Lord decree that signs, wonders and miracles will follow us. 9. O Lord, by your mercy count me worthy to escape your wrath and judgment coming upon this world in these last days and to stand worthy before you to be raptured. Day 2 the 2nd of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 2. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Now here is a memorable story, Jesus turns water into wine but has it ever struck you as kind of an odd miracle? I mean, Jesus is known for healing the sick and the lame and for driving out demons. But did he really get his start performing social miracles like this? It is a bit like watching a before they were stars special. So, why is this story important? That is a good question, but there is a danger to avoid in answering it. Be careful how much you read into the specifics of any Bible story. If you wanted to, you could launch an in-depth study of how the word water, for instance, is used in the Bible. What was wine like in Jesus' day? The word bridegroom comes up elsewhere in Scripture in Revelation Jesus is seen as the bridegroom of the church. Is that important here? These are interesting questions, but the Bible tells us quite plainly why this story is here. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him, John 2:11. This miracle was done for the disciples' benefit. A lot of bad theology comes from reading too deeply into the words of the Bible but God has not made the truth hard to find. You just must accept it when you see it. Revival thoughts for today. When churches conduct revival services, they frequently see many people place their faith in Christ. Consequently, many thinks of revival as evangelistic services. But revival is what God accomplishes with His people when they return to Him. Revival comes when God restores life and vitality to His people. Revival is evident when His power and presence is made known in an individual, family, and community. When genuine revival comes to God's people, God's activity becomes the talk of the individual, 
family and town. When John the Baptist preached the message of repentance, he required fruits of repentance. I asked, what is the fruit of repentance for prayerlessness? Prayer. So as an individual or family let us pray to surrender our life in apathy for a revived heart set ablaze for the Lord, so that people will start to come to faith in Christ. Let us pray saints. 1. Pray that God will reveal His requirements for genuine revival in your life, family, church and community. Ask God to start that revival in your own heart and life. Extra prayer points. That God would forgive our sins, recognizing that every disaster reminds us of our need to repent. That God would show mercy on us for our complacency, for believing in our own self-sufficiency and the ability to protect ourselves. That God would forgive our carelessness, for when we have mistreated the bodies and gifts, He has given us and left ourselves vulnerable to illnesses. That God would forgive us for when we have loved money or comfort more than loving God or our neighbors. That God would forgive us for when we fear sickness or death more than Him. That God would show mercy on us when we lose perspective by failing to help all those who die daily worldwide through abortion, euthanasia, persecution, and other threats to human life. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Holy Spirit that prepares the bride ready for you O Lord, Jesus. Prepare me to be ready for the rapture. 4. Lord, we pray for the people around us who do not realize you are coming soon and first are coming to snatch away your bride, so please awaken their hearts in Jesus' mighty name. 5. Please show us the things in our lives that are not surrendered to you to make us rapture ready. We give these things to you and ask you to change our hearts. 6. Please continue to shape our characters and prepare us for your coming in Jesus' mighty name. Day 3 the 3rd of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 3. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Two worlds. The world of God and the world of humans. At the beginning of this chapter, they seem utterly separate and unique. Nicodemus says that Jesus must be from God because of the things he does. Jesus counters by saying you cannot really know about God's kingdom unless you've been born again. Impossible, right? The barrier between the world stands, but not if someone breaks through. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, John 3:13. Jesus broke that barrier. Jesus, God the Son, became Jesus, God in the flesh, the Son of Man. But he did not come for a sightseeing trip. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life, John 3:14-15. There is a way for us with fleshly human bodies to live forever, to break through into the world of God. And that is by believing in Jesus. This is such an important concept that the next three verses state this truth in three different ways, and then once more in verse 36. The way to be born again, to be born into the kingdom of God is clear, whoever believes in Him may have eternal life, John 3:15. Revival History Thoughts for Today. Today we shall look back at history at the Moravian Church. 1727, August, Hernhut, Saxony, Nicholas Zinzendorf. No one present could tell exactly what happened on the Wednesday morning of the specially called communion service. The glory of the Lord came upon them so powerfully that they hardly knew if they were on earth or in heaven. The Spirit of God moved powerfully on those 300 refugees in Saxony in 1727. One of their historians wrote, Church history, abounds in records of special outpourings of the Holy Ghost, and verily the 13th of August, 1727, was a day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We saw the hand of God and His wonders, and we were all under the cloud of our fathers baptized with their spirit. The Holy Ghost came upon us and in those days great signs and wonders took place in our midst. From that time scarcely a day passed but what we beheld is almighty workings amongst us. 
A great hunger after the Word of God took possession of us so that we had to have three services every day, at 5.0 and 7.30 a.m. and 9.0 p.m. everyone desired above everything else that the Holy Spirit might have full control. Self-love and self-will, as well as all disobedience, disappeared and an overwhelming flood of grace swept us all out into the great ocean of divine love. Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf, 1700-1760, the benefactor and 27-year-old leader of that community, gave this account at a meeting in London in 1752. We needed to come to the communion with a sense of the loving nearness of the Saviour. This was the great comfort which has made this day a generation ago to be a festival, because on this day 27 years ago the congregation of Hernhut, assembled for communion, at the Berthelsdorf Church, were all dissatisfied with themselves. They had quit judging each other because they had become convinced, each one, of his lack of worth in the sight of God and each felt himself at this communion to be in view of the noble countenance of the Saviour. In this view of the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, their hearts told them that he would be their patron and their priest who was at once changing their tears into oil of gladness and their misery into happiness. This prisoned, tortured or banished from their homeland. This group had fled for refuge to Germany where the young Christian nobleman, Count Zinzendorf, offered them asylum on his estates in Saxony. They named their new home Hernhut, the Lord's Watch. From there, after their baptism of fire, they became pioneering evangelists and missionaries. Fifty years before the beginning of modern missions with William Carey, the Moravian Church had sent out over 100 missionaries. Their English missionary magazine, Periodical Accounts, inspired Carey. He threw a copy of the paper on a table at a Baptist meeting, saying, See what the Moravians have done. Cannot we follow their example and in obedience to our Heavenly Master go out into the world, and preach the Gospel to the heathen? That missionary zeal began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Zinzendorf observed, the Saviour permitted to come upon us a spirit of whom we had hitherto not had any experience or knowledge, hitherto we had been the leaders and helpers. Now the Holy Spirit Himself took full control of everything and everybody. Converted in early childhood, at four years of age Zinzendorf composed and signed a covenant, Dear Saviour, be mine, and I will be thine. His life motto was, Jesus only. Zinzendorf learned the secret of prevailing prayer. He actively established prayer groups as a teenager, and on finishing college at Halley at 16 he gave Professor Frank a list of seven praying societies he had established. The disgruntled community at Hernhut early in 1727 criticized one another. Heated controversies threatened to disrupt the community. The majority belonged to the ancient Moravian Church of the Brethren. Other believers attracted to Hernhut included Lutherans, Reformed, and Anabaptists. They argued about predestination, holiness, and baptism. Zinzendorf, pleaded for unity, love and repentance. At Hernhut, Zinzendorf visited all the adult members of the deeply divided community. He drew up a covenant calling upon them to seek out and emphasize the points in which they agreed rather than stressing their differences. On 12 May, 1727, they all signed the brotherly covenant dedicating their lives, as Zinzendorf had dedicated his, to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Moravian revival of 1727 was preceded and then sustained by extraordinary personal and communal, united prayer. A spirit of grace, unity, and supplications grew among them. On 16th of July Zinzendorf poured out his soul in a prayer accompanied with a flood of tears. This prayer produced an extraordinary effect. The whole community began praying as never before. On 22nd of July many of the community covenanted together on their own accord to meet often to pour out their hearts in prayers and hymns. On 5th of August Zinzendorf spent the whole night in prayer with about 12 or 14 others following a large meeting for prayer at midnight where great emotion prevailed. On Sunday 10th of August, Pastor Johann Rota, a pietist friend of Zinzendorf and minister of the Berthelsdorf Parish Church, was overwhelmed by the Spirit about noon. He sank down into the dust before God. 
so did the whole congregation. They continued till midnight in prayer and singing, weeping and praying. On Wednesday 13th of August, the Holy Spirit was poured out on them all at the specially arranged communion service in the Berthelsdorf Church. Their prayers were answered in ways far beyond anyone's expectations. Many of them decided to set aside certain times for continued earnest prayer. On Tuesday 26th of August, 24 men and 24 women covenanted together to continue praying in intervals of one hour each, day and night, each hour allocated by lots to different people. On Wednesday 27th of August, this new regulation began. Others joined the intercessors and the number involved increased to 77. They all carefully observed the hour which had been appointed for them. The intercessors had a weekly meeting where prayer needs were given to them. The children began a similar plan among themselves. Those who heard their infant supplications were deeply moved. The children's prayers and supplications had a powerful effect on the whole community. That astonishing prayer meeting beginning in 1727 lasted a century. Known as the hourly intercession, it involved relays of men and women in prayer without ceasing made to God. That prayer also led to action, especially evangelism. More than 100 missionaries left that village community in the next 25 years, all constantly supported in prayer. One result of their baptism in the Holy Spirit was a joyful assurance of their pardon and salvation. This made a strong impact on people in many countries, including the Wesleys. Their prayers and witness profoundly affected the 18th century evangelical awakening. Let us look at the steps and connection between revival and spiritual awakening. When God disciplines us and we repent and return to Him, He revives us. He then can work through us to draw others to faith in Jesus. Step 1, God is on mission to redeem a lost world. God calls His people into a relationship with Himself and He accomplishes His work through them. Step 2, God's people tend to depart from Him, turning to substitutes for His presence, purposes, and ways. Step 3, God disciplines His people out of His love for them. Step 4, God's people cry out to Him for help. Step 5, God calls His people to repent and return to Him or perish. Step 6, God revives His repentant people by restoring them to a right relationship with Himself. Step 7, God exalts His Son Jesus in His people and draws the lost to saving faith in Him. Let us pray. 1. Ask God to reveal where you are and where your family and church is in this pattern. Have you departed? Are you being disciplined? Are you crying out for help? Do you need to repent and return to Him? Are you ready to be used by God to draw others to new life in Christ? 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take to be of maximum usefulness to His kingdom? 3. Lord, draw close to people who are afraid of your snatching away, so they will not endure your wrath to come before your second coming. May they surrender their lives to you in Jesus' mighty name. 4. Please use each of us to tell others the good news of your soon snatching away in the clouds in Jesus' mighty name. 5. Father, please give us a heightened sense of urgency in our work for you. Let us live with daily hope that Jesus is coming soon to take His bride to the wedding feast of the Lamb. 6. Lord, bless the work of each person participating worldwide. Strengthen them to continue to the works of Christ Jesus in their daily lives. Day 4 The 4th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 4. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Chapter 4 of John contains the well-known and much-loved story of the woman at the well. But as you read the chapter today, do not skim it. Force yourself to take in every word. Ask God to help you see this amazing passage of Scripture with fresh eyes. In the last chapter, we saw a theme begin the theme of a new spiritual life, of being born again into an everlasting life through belief in Jesus. In this chapter, we find that spiritual lives, like physical lives, need nourishment. 
Jesus begins by discussing spiritual thirsts. He says that a person only needs to ask him, and he will give water that will drive away thirst forever. The woman asking for this water does not quite get it. So, Jesus drives the point home by asking that she go bring her husband to him. The woman had a spiritual thirst for a relationship but after five husbands, she was still thirsty. That is the thirst Jesus wants to quench the thirst for a deep, meaningful relationship. Jesus talks later to his disciples about spiritual hunger that is satisfied through doing the will of God. There are many people who have yet to hear about God, many opportunities yet for the spiritually hungry to be filled. Is your spirit being nourished today? Revival Thoughts for Today This story about Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well is a powerful story of the change Jesus can make in a community in a very short period of time. Think about this woman. How long had she known Jesus before she began to tell her whole town about him? What training had she received? This woman got a taste of living water and her life was changed. The living water bubbled up out of her life and became evident to those who heard her story. Like Andrew and Philip, day 14, she immediately had to go tell others and bring them to meet Jesus for themselves. When many in the town believed in Jesus Christ, they had an experience of their own not just the words of another. What have you experienced in your encounter with Jesus Christ that has changed your life? What is your testimony? Today, I want you to think about your town. Who are the people who need to hear your testimony? Let us pray saints. 1. Ask God to reveal the people in your town who may already be prepared to respond when they hear your story. Would they be people in your home, neighborhood, school, workplace, or gym? Or is your town the people who knew you in your before Christ days? Ask God for the boldness to share your story with your town. Describe or name the people God places on your mind and heart. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Pray today by name for a person who is yet to believe in Christ as Savior. 4. Lord, we pray for each person on our individual prayer lists. May they see their need and open their hearts to the Holy Spirit. 5. Lord, thank you for your promise, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1 6. 6. Thank you that you have people in every city who are hopefully looking to heaven and awaiting your return and snatching away in the rapture. 7. Whatever thing is in my life that will hinder me from rapture Holy Spirit of God reveal them to me and deliver me today. Holy Spirit you that prepare the bride ready, prepare me ready for the rapture of the saints. I pray God will answer our prayers by His mercy in Jesus' mighty name. Day 5 the 5th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 5. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. As you read through chapter 5 of John today, are you a little bit startled? Is your perception of Jesus shaken up a little bit? Do you see the stark contrast between who Jesus says He is and how people today describe Him? Any unbiased historical scholar will admit that, yes, Jesus really did live 2,000 years ago, there is enough references to Him outside of the Bible to prove that. They will even admit that Jesus was an influential teacher. He had a lot of good ideas and at the very least, Jesus deserves a spot among the other great moral teachers humanity has seen. The scholars will say that Jesus was a wise, compassionate man who wanted to make the world a better place. But God? Not a chance. That is why John chapter 5 is so startling. Read through and count the number of times Jesus identifies Himself with God the Father. The Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise, John 5:19. The point is, when a person makes a claim like this, you either believe that person or you dismiss them as being crazy. You do not patronize them by saying, well, he has few good ideas, but he's a bit touched in the head, if you know what I mean. Either Jesus was God, 
or he was a madman on the loose. Who do you say he is? Revival thoughts for today. 1904, October, Lucker, Wales, Evan Roberts. Religious and church life had reached a low point in Wales in 1904. Church attendance was low and apathy and sinful behavior were high. Many were praying for revival. A young man, Evan Roberts, had been praying for 13 years. Sensing God's call to vocational ministry, he left working in the coal mines to go to school. He sensed God gave him a message to share with his home church. On a Monday night, he shared a four-point message with 17 young people, and all responded with a desire to obey. They met the next night with more responding and attendance began to grow nightly. As Christians got right with God and others, God began to convict unbelievers of sin and many began turning to faith in Christ. In six months over 100,000 had professed faith in Christ. Because so many people's lives were being changed, the society changed as well. Crime decreased so much that judges and policemen had little to do. Taverns went out of business because of the decline in drinking alcohol. That affected family life for the good. Even the animals in the coal mines had to be retrained because of the clean language of the converted miners. Read Evans' four points and consider what changes you would need to make to apply these in your life. 1. You must put away any unconfessed sin. 2. You must put away any doubtful habit. 3. You must obey the Holy Spirit promptly. 4. You must confess Christ publicly. Roberts believed that a baptism in the Spirit was the essence of revival and that the primary condition of revival is that individuals should experience such a baptism in the Spirit. By the weekend the church was packed. Roberts spoke to a crowded church on Saturday night on Be Filled with the Spirit. An after-meeting with Roberts followed Sunday night service at Libanus Chapel, Gorsinan. Evan Roberts described the response on the Sunday evening, 6th of November, when by midnight the congregation was overwhelmed with tears. Then the people came down from the gallery, and sat close to one another. Now, said I, we must believe that the Spirit will come, not think He will come, not hope He will come, but firmly believe that He will come. Then I read the promises of God, and pointed out how definite they were. Remember, I am doing all under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and praise be to Him, after this, the Spirit said that everyone was to pray. Pray now, not confess, not sing, not give experience, but pray and believe, and wait. And this is the prayer, send the Spirit now, for Jesus Christ's sake. The people were sitting, and only closed their eyes. The prayer began with me. Then it went from seat to seat boys and girls young men and maidens. Some asking in silence, some aloud, some coldly, some with warmth, some formally, some in tears, some with difficulty, some adding to it, boys and girls, strong voices, then tender voices. Oh, wonderful! I never thought of such an effect. I felt the place beginning to be filled, and before the prayer had gone halfway through the chapel, I could hear some brother weeping, sobbing, and saying, Oh, dear! Dear! Well! Well! Oh, dear! Dear! On went the prayer, the feeling becoming more intense, the place being filled more and more, with the Spirit's presence. Let us pray saints. 1. Pray for God to bring such conviction throughout your region that masses will put away sin and doubtful habits. Pray that God will guide and empower your witness and that of others. 2. Pray that so many people will come to faith in Christ that the society in your community will change for good as lives are changed for God's glory. 3. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 4. I repent from all the sins that I was conceived with that has held me back in life and any sin that will hinder me from the day of the rapture. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. 5. I repent totally from all the sins I committed, as a child that is unconfessed and will hinder me from entering the rapture. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. 6. 
I repent totally from all the sin that I have committed while I was in primary, secondary, and higher institution that is unconfessed that could hinder me from heaven. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. 7. I repent totally from all the unconfessed sins that I committed while I started working that will hinder me from rapture. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. Day 6 The 6th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 6. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. There are 71 verses in today's chapter, so make sure you set aside enough time to read through the whole thing. When you read through an entire passage of the Bible even an entire book in one setting, you will get a much clearer picture of what God is trying to teach you. In this chapter you will hear the familiar verse, I am the bread of life, John 6:35. By reading the rest of the chapter around that verse, you will find out exactly what Jesus meant. Maybe you have read the chapter already and find yourself confused. You are not alone. Even those who heard Jesus that day had a hard time understanding what He meant. When many of His disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying, who can listen to it? John 6 60. Use this opportunity to bring your questions to God. Ask Him, what did you mean by this? And then patiently wait for His reply. It may come as you read through the passage a second time or on your drive to the grocery store as you mull it over in your mind. Often though, your questions will be answered by God Himself in the pages of the Bible and you will find them as you keep on reading. Revival Thoughts for Today. 1904, October, Lucker, Wales, Evan Roberts, continued. The crowded Monday evening meeting went till 3 a.m. meetings continued every night. The Cardiff newspaper The Western Mail published this report on Thursday 10th of November, the first of many daily reports on the progress of the revival. Great crowds of people drawn to Lucker. Congregation stays till 2.30 in the morning. A remarkable religious revival is now taking place in Lucker. For some days a young man named Evan Roberts, a native of Lucker, has been causing great surprise at Mariah Chapel. The place has been besieged by dense crowds of people unable to obtain admission. Such excitement has prevailed that the road on which the chapel is situated has been lined with people from end to end. Roberts, who speaks in Welsh, opens his discourse by saying that he does not know what he is going to say but that when he is in communion with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will speak, and he will simply be the medium of his wisdom. The preacher soon after launches into a fervent and at times impassioned oration. His statements have had the most stirring effects upon his listeners. Many who have disbelieved Christianity for years are returning to the fold of their younger days. One night, so great was the enthusiasm invoked by the young revivalist that, after his sermon which lasted two hours, the vast congregation remained praying and singing until 2.30 in the morning. Shopkeepers are closing early in order to get a place in the chapel, and tin and steel workers throng the place in working clothes. Revival meetings began to multiply rapidly, the early ones in South Wales being led by Evan Roberts, Sidney Evans, Seth Joshua and Joseph Jenkins with teams of young people. Rev. R.B. Jones began a 10-day mission on Tuesday 8 November in Rose in North Wales during which revival broke out and rapidly spread through the North as well as the South. Many of the 800 attending the Mariah meeting on Friday 11 November were on their knees repenting for a long time. The Western Mail report of that meeting circulated widely in Wales and throughout the rest of Britain. Instead of the set order of proceedings, everything was left to the spontaneous impulse of the moment, at 4.25 a.m., the gathering dispersed. But even at that hour, the people did not make their way home. When I left to walk back to Linelli, I left dozens of them about the road discussing the chief subject of their lives, I felt that this was no ordinary gathering. Newspaper reports generated intense interest in the meetings. Crowds arrived in Lucker on Saturday 12 November filling the streets with wagons and carts. Shops emptied of food supplies. 
Roberts College roommate preached at one chapel and Roberts at the other on Saturday, both meetings lasting till after dawn Sunday. Hundreds of coal miners and tin plate workers were converted, filled with the Spirit, and radically transformed. Swearing, drunkenness, immorality and crime began to diminish. From Sunday 13th of November Evan Roberts and his teams conducted meetings by invitation, first at Aberdare and then throughout the towns and hamlets of Wales. He usually took a small team with him to pray, witness and sing. November 1904 saw revival spread throughout Wales. Newspapers described the crowded meetings. Churches and chapels sent statistics of conversions to the papers. By the end of January 1905 the papers had reported 70,000 converted in three months. As with other evangelists and ministers, Evan Roberts traveled the Welsh valleys, often never preaching but earnestly praying. In Neath he spent a week in prayer without leaving his rooms while the revival continued to pack the churches. Characteristics of the meetings were singing Welsh hymns in harmony for over an hour, the decline of the sermon, emphasis on baptism in the Spirit and the guidance of the Spirit, public repentance and the hymn, a half-sung, half-spoken harmony ending in a hymn, or a cry of thanksgiving or repentance. Churches filled. The revival spread. Meetings continued all day as well as each night, often late into the night or through to morning. Crowds were getting right with God and with one another in confession, repentance and restitution of wrongs done. People prayed fervently and worshipped God with great joy. Police had so little to do they joined the crowds in the churches, sometimes forming singing groups. The impact of the Spirit across the churches produced new levels of unity, joy, boldness, power to witness, changed lives, and enthusiasm explained as being fervent in spirit. Romans 12:11. Roberts, prophetically gifted, was unusually sensitive to the responses in the congregation. Public criticism of Evan Roberts and some revival phenomena included the usual objections to enthusiasm or fanaticism, emotionalism and confusion. At age 27 he lacked maturity and theological balance and fell too easily into nervous exhaustion, as did other young leaders in the revival. More experienced ministers avoided these errors and contributed significantly to revival leadership. Defenders of revival phenomena pointed to thousands of changed lives and the spiritual zeal generated. In 1904, when a revival was sweeping through Wales, two men from London visited Wales to witness the move of God. When they arrived at the railroad station in Wales, they asked the ticket agent where the revival was. The agent placed his hand over his heart and said, Gentlemen, it is here, underneath my buttons. He was accurate. Revival begins personally when people are willing to confess their sins and reap in of those specific sins. Confession is agreeing with God, admitting it, calling sin what God calls it. Repentance is turning from the sin that you confessed. When a person is willing to do this, he or she is granted mercy and his slash her fellowship with God is restored. A key to revival is to confess our sins and repent. Let us pray saints. 1. Sometime during this day or night get alone with God and prayerfully seek Him. 2. Allow God to reveal any unconfessed sin. Confess, repent, and claim 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 3. I repent totally from all the sins that I committed in my marriage that will hinder me from heaven. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. 4. I repent totally from all the sins that I committed after been born again that will hinder me from heaven and rapture. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. 5. I repent totally from all the sins I committed as a worker or minister in the vineyard of God that will hinder me from the rapture. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. 6. I repent totally from any of the sins that I am still committing till today. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. Day 7 The 7th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 7. Read either as an individual, 
family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. An issue that was raised in chapter 5 comes back in today's chapter. In chapter 5 Jesus healed a lame man and told him to take up his mat and walk. But the Jews considered carrying a mat to be work, and since the healing happened on a Sabbath, this man who had not walked in 38 years was breaking the law. Not only that, but because Jesus did the healing, and healing was considered work, Jesus also was breaking the Sabbath. It was this issue that the Jews in Jerusalem were raising. The Jews who thought they were honoring God by condemning the act of healing on the Sabbath only showed how ignorant they really were of God. We make the same mistake today. We think we understand God and what He likes and does not like so we make a bunch of rules to keep people in line. Unfortunately, these rules can also keep people away from God. You can get to know what God really wants, though, by spending time in the Word. My prayer is that in this last week God has already shown you something you never knew about Him. Revival Thoughts for Today Today we shall look back at the first awakening in America. 1735, January, New England, North America, Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, 1703-1758, the preacher and scholar who later became a president of Princeton University, was a prominent leader in a revival movement which came to be called the Great Awakening as it spread through the communities of New England and the pioneering settlements in America. Converts to Christianity reached 50,000 out of a total of 250,000 colonists. Early in 1735, an unusually powerful move of God's Spirit brought revival to Northampton, which then spread through New England in the northeast of America. Edwards noted that a great and earnest concern about the great things of religion and the eternal world, became universal in all parts of the town, and among persons of all degrees and all ages, the noise among the dry bones waxed louder and louder, all other talk but about spiritual and eternal things, was soon thrown by. The minds of people were wonderfully taken off from the world, it was treated among us as a thing of very little consequence. They seemed to follow their worldly business, more as a part of their duty, than from any disposition they had to it. And the work of conversion was carried on in a most astonishing manner, and increased more and more, souls did as it were come by flocks to Jesus Christ. From day to day, for many months together, might be seen evident instances of sinners brought out of darkness into marvelous light, with a new song of praise to God in their mouths. Our public assemblies were then beautiful, the congregation was alive in God's service, every one earnestly intent on the public worship, every hearer eager to drink in the words of the minister as they came from his mouth, the assembly in general were, from time to time, in tears while the word was preached, some weeping with sorrow and distress, others with joy and love, others with pity and concern for the souls of their neighbors. Those amongst us who had been formerly converted, were greatly enlivened, and renewed with fresh and extraordinary incomes of the Spirit of God, though some much more than others, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Many who before had labored under difficulties about their own state, had now their doubts removed by more satisfying experience, and more clear discoveries of God's love. Describing the characteristics of the revival, Edwards said that it gave people an extraordinary sense of the awful majesty, greatness and holiness of God, so as sometimes to overwhelm soul and body, a sense of the piercing, all-seeing eye of God, so as sometimes to take away the bodily strength, and an extraordinary view of the infinite terribleness of the wrath of God, together with a sense of the ineffable misery of sinners exposed to this wrath, and, longings after more love to Christ, and greater conformity to Him, especially longing after these two things, to be more perfect in humility and adoration. The flesh and the heart seem often to cry out, lying low before God and adoring Him with greater love and humility, the person felt a great delight in singing praises to God and Jesus Christ, and longing that this present life may be as it were one continued song of praise to God, together with living by faith to a great degree, there was a constant and extraordinary distrust of our own strength and wisdom, a great dependence on God for His help, and being restrained from the most horrid sins.
Let us pray saints. 1. Review our lives and ask God to reveal to you the truth about your life. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith, 2 Corinthians 13 5. Examine the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Are you a new creation? Have you been filled with His Spirit and power? 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Pray today by name for a person who is yet to believe in Christ as Savior. 4. I repent totally from loving other things more than God in my life. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. 5. I repent totally from the sin of idolatry. Any area or any way that I have served idols or am still serving idols and such will hinder me from heaven and rapture forgive by mercy in the name of Jesus Christ. 6. I repent totally from calling the name of God in vain, for joke slash comedy, to curse, to lie, to swear etc. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. 7. I repent totally from all the disobedience that I have disobeyed to my parents that will hinder me from heaven and rapture. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. Day 8 The 8th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 8. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Do you ever read the Bible aloud? Try that with chapter 8. The Bible was written with the expectation that it would be read aloud to others. As a result, many old familiar passages will take on a new life when you hear them with your ears as well as your eyes. As you read, try to imagine the people, try to picture Jesus and the Jews who believed in Him, John 8:31. Try to picture the Pharisees who confront Jesus. See if you cannot feel the emotion rising through this whole chapter up to Jesus' climactic statement, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, John 8:58. This statement looks like a mistake at first. Shouldn't Jesus have said, before Abraham was, I was? No, Jesus knew exactly what he was saying here and the Pharisees did too. Jesus was declaring himself to be the God of Abraham. And by using the phrase I am, he was identifying himself as the one who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. This made the Pharisees furious. God said to Moses on that occasion, I am who I am, Exodus 3:14. But the Pharisees and even some people today have been telling God, you will be who I say you are. But it does not work that way. Only those willing to accept God on His terms will ever truly find Him. Revival Thoughts for Today Before Jesus returned to His throne in heaven, He told His followers to wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit. That filling occurred 40 days later on the day of Pentecost. However, we also need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers our witness for Christ. You can present yourself to the Lord for filling in one of two conditions. Imagine I'm holding in my hands two clear plastic containers. One is filled with dirt, rocks, and other things. The other container is clean and empty. Those containers can represent the two conditions you can present to the Lord for filling. The container filled with stuff represents a life filled with selfish desires, impure thoughts and deeds, sinful behaviors, broken relationships, and idols of the heart that distract you from your first love. When you bring a life like that to the Lord for filling, He says, I'm sorry but I cannot fill and use a life like that. The empty container represents a life that has been cleansed from sin and has learned to walk in victory over sin, see Rom. 6. It has reconciled broken relationships, put away idols of the heart, and been cleansed from impure thoughts. Self has been denied, crucified with Christ. When you bring a life like that to the Lord for filling, He says, I've been looking for you. Scripture says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to show Himself strong for those whose hearts are completely His, 2 Chronicles 16 9. A life emptied of all the junk can be filled by His Holy Spirit, and that's where spiritual power comes from. Let us pray saints. 1. Think about the two containers described. 
Ask the Lord which one best represents your life. If it is the first container, ask God to cleanse you and guide you to prepare your life to receive His fullness. If it is the second container, humbly present yourself fully to Christ for filling. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Pray today by name for a person who is yet to believe in Christ as Savior. 4. Lord Jesus Christ, I repent totally from every friendship that I have committed with worldly lustful pleasures, forgive me, and do not let me miss heaven and the rapture. 5. Lord Jesus Christ, free me and deliver me from every attack of Satan and his demons that comes against my mind, thought, body and will every day. 6. Lord Jesus Christ, influence my will, my mind, and my body on daily basis, so that I can be yours forever. 7. Lord Jesus Christ, bring my thoughts, mind, body and will under the subjection of your word, so that I can make heaven. 1 Cor 9, 27. Day 9 the 9th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 9. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. The disciples begin this chapter by raising a question a lot of us have asked. They see a man who was blind from birth, and they feel pity for him. It must have been terrible living in such a state, and such misery could only be the result of sin. Right? Jesus' answer to the disciples' question is understandably hard to swallow. It was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him, John 9 3. In other words, this man was born blind and lived blind so that one day Jesus could heal him. It was not punishment for someone's sin or the result of someone's carelessness, he was blind so God could display his glory. Does that sound cruel of God? The fact is all of us are born in an equally miserable state. We are all born blind to spiritual matters. We are all born with a sinful spirit and a rebellious nature awaiting the day we meet Jesus. The problem is, some people, like the Pharisees, do not recognize their own blindness. It is easy to look at a physically challenged person and see his or her limitations and feel sorry for that person. But as Jesus pointed out time and again, it is possible to be physically whole yet spiritually disabled. Do you know someone who hasn't yet met Jesus? Maybe you are in his or her life to make the introduction. More than anything, Jesus wants to restore that person's sight and show him or her the glory of God. Revival thoughts for today, your life is like a PVC pipe, or any kind of pipe. It is a channel through which Jesus, the living water, flows. On one end of your pipe, you must be connected to God by a saving relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, your Savior. On the other end of your pipe, you are connected to other people through relationships. God's desire and mission is to work through your life in such a way that others will come to saving faith in His Son, that they would be reconciled to God. However, if your pipe is clogged up, the living water cannot flow through it as intended. Sin can clog up your pipe. God's holiness and righteousness cannot be revealed, flow, through a dirty life. If your pipe is clogged by sin, self, or the love of something that takes the place of your love for God, an idol of the heart, you need to get your pipe cleaned out. Clean out your pipe by confessing and repenting of your sin. Put away idols of the heart and return to your first love for God. Another problem can exist with the flow of living water through your PVC pipe life. If you have a broken relationship with a person, you have a cap on the end of your pipe that stops or limits the flow. The person may not be willing to listen to you or receive the living water from your life. Two kinds of broken relationships may be present in your relationships with others. In one case you may have sinned against the other person or group. In that case Jesus commands you to go and be reconciled. Seek forgiveness and make restitution if necessary. The other kind of broken relationship is where you have been offended, or sinned against, by the other person. If you are withholding forgiveness, your pipe will be capped. 
In this case you must forgive, no matter how serious the offense. I have heard and read many stories of people who reconciled a relationship and that very action created the opportunity to lead the person to faith in Christ. Uncap your pipe and let Christ's living water flow. Let us pray saints. 1. Ask God to reveal any relationships you may have that need reconciliation or forgiveness. Pray for those people today. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Lord Jesus Christ, all the seeds sowing into my life, in other for me to make heaven, let them germinate and bear fruits to eternal life. 4. I confess in the name of Jesus Christ. I will not be left behind to shed terrible tears after the rapture in Jesus' mighty name. 5. Holy Spirit of God, prepare my way and garment for heaven and rapture. Day 10 the 10th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 10. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. A common mistake people make in Bible reading is to assume that when a chapter ends, so does the story or lesson. Sometimes that is the case, but today it is not. So, take a moment to remind yourself of what happened in chapter 9, it involved a blind man and a confrontation. For several chapters now we have seen Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jews. It would seem the Pharisees would be delighted to have Jesus, the Son of God, among them. The Pharisees had devoted their lives to serving God and following His law and teaching others to do the same. But Jesus revealed the truth about them. They were not serving God with all their religious practices, they were serving themselves. They were using religion to make themselves rich and influential. As a result, they were driving people away from God rather than drawing them near to Him. They were the thieves and the robbers of Jesus' parable. The parable is also a warning for today. There are many religious leaders out there who claim to be serving God but are only serving themselves. How can you and I avoid them? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, John 10 27. Become familiar with the voice of Jesus by spending time in His Word. And when you listen to the men and women claiming to be servants of God, listen to the Spirit's prompting in your heart. He knows the voice of God and will recognize those who speak for Him. Revival Thoughts for Today Today let us look back at two pioneers of open-air preaching. 1739, January, London, England, John Wesley, George Whitefield. When the New England Revival was strongest, George Whitefield, 1714-1770, in England and Howell Harris, 1714-1773, in Wales were both converted at 21 in 1735. Both ignited revival fires, seeing thousands converted and communities changed. By 1736 Harris began forming his converts into societies and by 1739 there were nearly 30 such societies. Whitefield traveled extensively, visiting Georgia in 1738, the first of seven journeys to America, then ministering powerfully with Howell Harris in Wales 1739 and with Jonathan Edwards in New England in 1740, all in his early twenties. At the end of 1735, John Wesley, 1703-1791, sailed to Georgia, an American colony. A company of Moravian immigrants traveled on that vessel. During a storm they faced the danger of shipwreck. John Wesley wrote in his journal for Sunday January 25, 1736. At seven I went to the Germans. I had long before observed the great seriousness of their behavior. Of their humility they had given a continual proof by performing those servile offices for the other passengers which none of the English would undertake, for which they desired and would receive no pay, saying, it was good for their proud hearts, and their loving Saviour had done more for them and every day had given them occasion of showing a meekness, which no injury could move. If they were pushed, struck or thrown down, they rose again and went away, but no complaint was found in their mouth. 
here was now an opportunity of trying whether they were delivered from the spirit of fear, as well as from that of pride, anger and revenge. In the midst of the psalm wherewith their service began, the sea broke over, split the mainsail in pieces, covered the ship and poured in between the decks, as if the great deep had already swallowed us up. A terrible screaming began among the English. The Germans calmly sung on. I asked one of them afterwards, were you not afraid? He answered, I thank God, no. I asked, but were not your women and children afraid? He replied mildly, no, our women and children are not afraid to die. Back in England in 1738 after John Wesley's brief and frustrating missionary career, the Wesleys were challenged by the Moravian missionary Peter Bowler. In March 1738 John Wesley wrote, Saturday 4th of March I found my brother at Oxford, recovering from his pleurisy, and with him Peter Bowler, by whom, in the hand of the great God, I was, on Sunday the 5th, clearly convinced of unbelief, of the one of that faith whereby alone we are saved. Immediately it struck into my mind, leave off preaching. How can you preach to others, who have not faith yourself? I asked Bowler whether he thought I should leave it off or not. He answered, by no means. I asked, but what can I preach? He said, preach faith till you have it, and then, because you have it, you will preach faith. Monday, 6th of March I began preaching this new doctrine, though my soul started back from the work. The first person to whom I offered salvation by faith alone was a prisoner under sentence of death. His name was Clifford. Peter Bowler had many times desired me to speak to him before. But I could not prevail on myself so to do, being still a zealous asserter of the impossibility of a deathbed repentance. Both John and Charles were converted in May 1738, Charles first, and John three days later. On Wednesday 24th of May. He wrote his famous testimony in his journal. In the evening I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street, where one was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone, for salvation, and an assurance was given me, that He had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Later that year John Wesley visited the Moravian community at Hernhut. He admired their zeal and love for the Lord, and he prayed that their kind of Christianity, full of the Holy Spirit, would spread through the earth. Back in England he preached evangelically, gathered converts into religious societies, which were nicknamed Methodists because of his methodical procedures, and continued to relate warmly with the Moravians. Evangelical revival fires began to stir in England and burst into flame the following year. 1739 saw astonishing expansion of revival in England. On the evening of 1st of January the Wesleys and Whitefield, recently back from America, and four others from their former holy club at Oxford University, along with 60 others, met in London for prayer and a love feast. The Spirit of God moved powerfully on them all. Many fell down, overwhelmed. The meeting went all night and they realized they had been empowered in a fresh visitation from God. Mr. Hall, Kinchin, Ingham, Whitefield, Hitchens, and my brother Charles were present at our love feast in Fetter Lane, with about sixty of our brethren. About three in the morning, as we were continuing instant in prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us, insomuch that many cried out for exceeding joy, and many fell to the ground. As soon as we were recovered a little from that awe and amazement at the presence of His Majesty, we broke out with one voice, We praise Thee, O God, we acknowledge Thee to be the Lord. This Pentecost on New Year's Day launched the revival known later as the Great Awakening. Revival spread rapidly. In February 1739 Whitefield started preaching to the Kingswood coal miners in the open fields near Bristol because many churches opposed him, accusing him and other evangelicals of enthusiasm. In February about 200 attended. By March 20, 000 attended. 
Whitefield invited Wesley to take over then and so in April Wesley reluctantly began his famous open-air preaching, which continued for 50 years. He described that first weekend in his journal. Saturday, 31st of March in the evening I reached Bristol, and met Mr. Whitefield. I could scarce reconcile myself at first to this strange way of preaching in the fields, of which he set me an example on Sunday, having been all my life, till very lately, so tenacious of every point relating to decency and order, that I should have thought the saving of souls almost a sin if it had not been done in a church. Sunday, 1st of April in the evening, I begun expounding our Lord's Sermon on the Mount, one pretty remarkable precedent of field preaching, to a little society in Nicholas Street. Monday, 2nd of April at 4 in the afternoon I submitted to be more vile, and proclaimed in the highways the glad tidings of salvation, speaking from a little eminence in a ground adjoining to the city, to almost 3,000 people. The scripture on which I spoke was the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Sometimes strange manifestations accompanied revival preaching. Wesley wrote in his journal of April 26, 1739 that during his preaching at Newgate, Bristol, one, and another, and another sunk to the earth, they dropped on every side as thunderstruck. He returned to London in June reporting on the amazing move of God's Spirit with many conversions and many people falling prostrate, a phenomenon he never encouraged. Features of this revival were enthusiastic singing, powerful preaching, and the gathering of converts into small societies called weekly class meetings. Initially, leaders such as George Whitefield criticized some manifestations in Wesley's meetings, but this changed. Wesley wrote on July 7, 1739. I had opportunity to talk with Mr. Whitefield about those outward signs which had so often accompanied the inward work of God. I found his objections were chiefly grounded on gross misrepresentations of matter of fact. But the next day he had opportunity of informing himself better, for no sooner had he begun, in the application of his sermon, to invite all sinners to believe in Christ, then four persons sank down, close to him, almost in the same moment. One of them lay without either sense or motion, a second trembled exceedingly, the third had strong convulsions all over his body, but made no noise, unless by groans, the fourth, equally convulsed, called upon God, with strong cried and tears. From this time, I trust, we shall all suffer God to carry on His own work in the way that pleaseth Him. Both John Wesley and George Whitefield continued preaching outdoors as well as in churches which welcomed them. Whitefield's seven visits to America continued to fan the flames of revival there. Revival caught fire in Scotland also. After returning again from America in 1741, Whitefield visited Glasgow. Two ministers in villages nearby invited him to return in 1742 because revival had already begun in their area. Conversions and prayer groups multiplied. Whitefield preached there at Cambuslang about four miles from Glasgow. The opening meetings on a Sunday saw the great crowds on the hillside gripped with conviction, repentance and weeping more than he had seen elsewhere. The next weekend 20,000 gathered on the Saturday and up to 50,000 on the Sunday for the quarterly communion. The visit was charged with Pentecostal power which even amazed Whitefield. Precious saints our intimate relationship with Christ and our concern for those He loves are dependent on our love for Him. If we depart from our first love, we need to return. Our renewed love for Him could change our world. When you are deeply touched and aware of the sacrificial love of our Jesus Savior. We will start to express our love for Christ we will start to win the souls that He died for. Your battle cry becomes to win for the Lamb that was slain the reward of His suffering. Let us pray saints. 1. Thank God for His love shown through Christ's sacrifice. Ask Him to reveal the quality of your love for Him and how to increase your love. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Pray today by name for a person who is yet to believe in Christ as Savior. Day 11 The 11th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 11. 
read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. When we think about Jesus, it is easy to go to one of two extremes. One extreme emphasizes his humanity. People who do this will read the Gospels and especially notice where Jesus talks about his compassion for others, his tiredness, the pleasure he gets from being in the company of others. When they read John 11, they will be particularly moved by the verse, Jesus wept, John 11:35. Who would not weep at the tomb of a good friend? Others will focus on the divine nature of Jesus. They will look at the miracles of turning water into wine or giving sight to the blind man and declare that only God can do such things. When they look at John 11, they will key in on verse 43 where Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. It is not entirely wrong to lean toward one or the other view of Jesus, but it does become wrong when that view begins contradicting the rest of Scripture. When a person starts believing that the miracles of Jesus are just legends added to the Bible at a later date, they invalidate the entire Bible. And when a person says that Jesus was so much God that He did not experience life like we did, they contradict verses like Philippians 2 6-11 and Hebrews 4 15, check them out and see what we mean. We pray that as you continue reading that you also continue to see the wonder and miracle of Jesus, completely human and yet totally God. Revival Thoughts for Today, Paul explained that God's mercy for us deserves the surrender of our lives and bodies to Christ as living sacrifices. Then John wrote that because of Christ's love for us, we ought to lay down our lives for others. As did the Moravians who began to pray for missions needs, they were told about the significant need for the gospel among the slaves in the West Indies Islands. As they prayed for laborers, Leonard Dober and Tobias Leupold sensed God calling them to go. But they were told that the slave owners would not permit them to preach to the slaves. Leonard and Tobias came up with a plan. They would sell themselves as slaves so they could live and work among the slaves and lead them to faith in Christ. Many at the time said this was too high a price to pay and would not allow them to go. They however insisted that God called them, so the community held a prayer meeting to draw lots and seek the Lord's will. The lot revealed that Leonard should go and Tobias should wait. They continued praying and sensed God wanted David Nitchman to accompany Leonard. The love for Christ caused these men to be willing to lay down their lives for others. When they reached St. Thomas Island, they found that the slave owners would allow them to preach to the slaves without having to sell themselves. And thus began the missionary work that impacted the world. Though God may not require you to lay down your physical life for His cause, His call to salvation is a call to Lordship. Jesus is Lord. We are His servants. We need to be prepared to obey His every command because we love Him. And we love Him because He first loved us and gave His life for our salvation. Let us pray saints. 1. Thank God for all the mercy and grace He has shown to you. Now, I beg you to present yourself to the Lord as a servant who will obey His Lord's commands. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Pray today by name for a person or group who is yet to believe in Christ as Savior. 4. Ask the Lord to shed some light of truth in exposing the enemy's schemes, by revealing us in advance to counterattack in Jesus' mighty name. 5. Ask the Lord to shed some light on the truth of why the enemy is doing this September? In Jesus' mighty name. 6. Stand firm in the Lord against all the wiles of the devil standing firm on the Lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ. 7. Ask Jesus to confuse the enemy's agenda by brining confusion in the camp of the enemy in Jesus' mighty name. 8. In Jesus' name we cut off any attack being sent against you or your families and friends in Jesus' mighty name. Day 12 The 12th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 12. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. The story of Lazarus is a familiar one for many people. 
And in yesterday's reading, we looked at it again. We saw how he was sick, how his sisters sent for Jesus, how Jesus delayed and arrived four days after his death and how Jesus then raised Lazarus from the dead. But the story of Lazarus doesn't end there. Probably more than any miracle before this, the raising of Lazarus convinced people that Jesus was the promised Messiah. John 12 9, in fact, so many people were believing in Jesus because of this miracle that the chief priests plotted to kill Lazarus because on account of him many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus, John 12:11. Like Lazarus, we who have believed in the name of Jesus have been raised into a new life. See 2 Corinthians 5:17. and just like Lazarus, we have the incredible opportunity to bring glory to God. Will you tell others your story? Revival thoughts for today. Today we shall look back on revivals in India. 1905, June, Mukti, India, Pandita Ramabai. Honored with the title Pandita by the Sanskrit scholars of Calcutta University, Ramabai, 1858-1922, became a Christian by the turn of the century, mastered seven languages, translated the Bible into Marathi and published books including A Life of Christ. The Indian government issued a postage stamp in her honor in 1989, recognizing her social impact on the nation, especially in rescuing young widows from death or degradation. She established a compound for widows and orphan girls during severe famine in her area near Pune, Pune, just south of Bombay, and called it Mukti, Salvation. By 1901 she had 2,000 girls and women and from January 1905 she began teaching about the need for revival. Soon over 500 people met twice daily to pray for revival, mostly women and girls. Ramabai heard about early moves of the Spirit in northeast India and challenged her women to leave secular studies for a time to go into the villages to preach in teams. 30 volunteered. They met daily to pray for the endowment of the Holy Spirit. Then on Thursday 29th of June the Spirit moved on many of the girls. The girls saw flames engulfing one of the girls, so another girl raced to get a bucket of water, only to discover she was not being burned. Then on Friday 30th of June while Ramabai taught from John 8, the Holy Spirit fell on them all suddenly with great power. Everyone there began to weep and pray aloud, crying out to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. One twelve-year-old girl, though very plain, became radiantly beautiful and laughed constantly. Others had visions of Jesus. Revival spread through their mission, and into many surrounding areas. Regular school activities gave way to confession, repentance, and great joy with much praise and dancing. Many were baptized in the Spirit, spoke in tongues, and were filled with zeal for evangelism and social care. A missionary, Albert Norton, visited the mission where Minnie Abrams, a teacher, invited him to observe a revival prayer group in the school. He reported, one week ago I visited the Mukti mission. Miss Abrams asked me if I should like to go into a room where about 20 girls were praying. After entering, I knelt with closed eyes by a table on one side. Presently I heard someone praying near me very distinctly in English. Among the petitions were, O oh Lord, open the mouth, O oh Lord, open the mouth, O oh Lord, open the heart, O oh Lord, open the eyes. O oh Lord, open the eyes. Oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Oh, give complete victory. Oh, such a blessing. Oh, such glory. I was struck with astonishment, as I knew that there was no one in the room who could speak English, beside Miss Abrams. I opened my eyes and within three feet of me, on her knees, with closed eyes and raised hands was a woman, whom I had baptized at Kedjan in 1899, and whom my wife and I had known intimately since as a devoted Christian worker. Her mother tongue was Marathi, and she could speak a little Hindustani but she was unable to speak or understand English such as she was using. But when I heard her speak English idiomatically, distinctly, and fluently, I was impressed as I should have been had I seen one, whom I knew to be dead, raised to life. 
a few other illiterate Marathi women and girls were speaking in English and some were speaking in other languages with none at Ketagan understood. This was not gibberish, but it closely resembled the speaking of foreign languages to which I had listened but did not understand. I have an idea that it is in mercy to us poor missionaries from Europe and America who, as a class, seem to be doubting Thomas's, in regard to gifts and workings of the Spirit, and not receiving the power of the Spirit as we ought. That powerful revival spread throughout many areas of India, with Christians and unbelievers repenting in large numbers and being filled with the Holy Spirit and the fire of God. It provides another example of the poor and despised discovering propagating the immeasurable grace of God especially among the common people. Precious saints just imagine when Andrew and Philip met Jesus, they immediately thought of others in their circles of relationships who needed to meet Him. They immediately brought Peter and Nathaniel to meet Jesus. Today, I want you to begin thinking about the people in your circles of relationships who need to meet Jesus as Savior and Lord. List the names of people you know who need to be introduced to Jesus. Let us pray saints. 1. Ask God to remind you about the time you were first introduced to Jesus. Reflect on the change that Jesus has worked in your own life. 2. Ask God to begin identifying people you know who are living without a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. 3. I break every witchcraft pot over our life, in the name of Jesus. 4. Every wicked pot cooking our affairs, be roasted, in the name of Jesus. 5. Every witchcraft pot working against us, we bring the judgment of God against you, in Jesus' name. 6. Every pot of darkness seated against my life, be destroyed by fire, in the name of Jesus. Day 13 The 13th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 13. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Imagine that you have been invited to an exclusive dinner at a foreign royal family's palace. You and eleven others are to be the guests of honor of the king's royal home. You arrive at the palace and approach the door, and instead of being opened by a royal guard, the king himself welcomes you. He takes your coat and hangs it up. When you sit down for dinner, instead of a team of servers carrying silver platters coming from the kitchen, the king gets up from the table and serves each one of you individually. That is essentially what is happening in today's chapter of John. Jesus, at dinner, washing the feet of his disciples. Peter recognized the incongruity of this when he declared, You shall never wash my feet, John 13 8. He was embarrassed to see the Lord and Messiah performing the duties of a common servant. That is exactly the point. Jesus explained a bit later, I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you, John 13:15. How often do you perform the duties of a servant for someone else? Too often we are quicker to demand that someone serve us than we are to volunteer to serve others. But service is at the heart of Jesus' message, and if we miss that part, have we understood anything? Revival Thoughts for Today. 1905, October, Donavur, South India, Amy Carmichael. Revival spread to South India where Amy Carmichael, 1867-1951, at Donavur among the Tamils had been praying and longing for a visitation of the Spirit of God. In October the Spirit moved upon them so powerfully they could neither preach nor pray aloud. They broke down weeping. It was so startling and so awful. I can use no other word, it was at the close of the morning service that the break came. The one who was speaking was obliged to stop, overwhelmed by the sudden realization of the inner force of things. It was impossible even to pray. One of the older lads in the boys' school began to try to pray, but he broke down, then another, then altogether, the older lads chiefly at first. Soon many among the younger ones began to cry bitterly, and pray for forgiveness. It spread to the women, soon the whole upper half of the church was on its face on the floor crying to God, each boy and girl, man and woman, oblivious of all others. The sound was like the sound of waves of strong wind in the trees. 
No separate voice could be heard. I had never heard of such a thing as this among Tamil people. Up in the north, of course, one knew that it had happened, but our Tamils are so stolid, so unemotional I had never imagined such a thing as this occurring. Nothing disturbed those who were praying, and that hurricane of prayer continued with one short break of a few minutes for over four hours. Effects during the next seven months in particular included the professed conversion of all the school pupils, revival among the Christians, restoration among the lapsed, successful evangelism in the surrounding areas, and a remarkable spirit of unity among everyone. That unity transcended personal and doctrinal differences among Christians, another sign of the Spirit's transforming presence. Precious saints the world will know we are followers of Jesus Christ by the love we demonstrate toward one another. What does your love for others reveal? Would people know you are a disciple of Jesus Christ because of the sacrificial way you love? Let us pray saints. 1. Pray that God will so fill you with His love that it will overflow to those in your circles of relationships. Pray that God will draw people to Jesus because of the love they see in your life. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed what actions will you take? As you pray for people on your list, ask the Lord to show you ways to show love to them. 3. Every power calling our name into any cauldrons, fall down and die, in the name of Jesus. 4. Every power cooking my progress in an evil pot, receive the fire of judgment, in the name of Jesus. 5. Every satanic program emanating from the cauldron of darkness, be reversed, in the name of Jesus. 6. We disentangle ourselves and our family from every witchcraft cage and pot, in the name of Jesus. 7. I command every evil pot and concoction used against our lives to break to pieces, in the name of Jesus. Day 14 The 14th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 14. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Jesus has mentioned it before, but the fact that He will soon be leaving is the main point of this chapter. And He makes a couple of promises regarding this. 1. He goes ahead to prepare a place for us. 14-2-3. When people think of these verses, they often envision mansions lining the streets in heaven, each one with a different person's name on the front door. They imagine Jesus, again as a carpenter, lovingly framing the walls and carpeting the floor of an eternal home prepared especially for them. It's probably not exactly like that. But whatever it's like, it's a place where we'll be able to be with Christ, and He with us forever. 2. He promises to come again. John 14 3,18,28. Though he has to go away for a time, it won't be forever. The disciples, and those of us who have come to love Jesus since, will see him come again. So, does that mean we're alone now? Not at all. 3. He promises to send the Holy Spirit. John 14 16-18,26. Just as Jesus came in God the Father's name, the Spirit comes in Jesus' name, John 14:26. The Spirit will continue to teach us and remind us of what Jesus taught. The Spirit will not be God in the flesh, He will be God in the hearts of those who love Him. Our job now is to continue living the way Jesus demonstrated, showing love for Him and compassion for others. And when you need help, the Spirit, the Divine Counselor will be there to assist. Revival Thoughts for Today. 1907, January, Pyongyang, Korea. Revival in Korea broke in the nation in 1907. Samuel Park made this report. Pyongyang is the capital of North Korea but when Pyongyang revival happened in 1907, it was not the capital. The capital of Korea was then Seoul, which is the capital of South Lorea. North American missionaries brought revival first to Wonsan in 1903 then Pyongyang in 1907. North American Methodist missionaries in Wonsan led ecumenical prayer meetings where Presbyterian and Baptist missionaries and Korean believers would also join inviting M.C. White, 
a female missionary to China. Then, R. A. Hardy, a Canadian medical missionary belonging to Southern Methodists were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to repent his pride, white supremacist attitude, and lack of faith in front of the congregation, then the Spirit spread to others. In this Wunsan revival, the evangelism of L. H. McCulley, a Canadian Presbyterian missionary who was the fiancé of W. J. Mackenzie, a Canadian missionary who died while doing mission in Korea. The Pyongyang revival of 1907 was led by Hardy, Mackenzie, J. S. Gale, M. C. Fennec who were influenced by the Second Great Awakening movement led by D. L. Moody. The revival meetings held in Jangdehyeon Church were ecumenical meetings jointly held by Methodist and Presbyterian missionaries and indigenous leaders including Kil Sun-yo. They had Bible study in the morning, prayer meeting in the afternoon, and revival meetings, public speech, and discussion on current issues in the evening inviting W. N. Blair, W. M. Baird, Graham Lee who were missionaries in Korea, and Kil Sun-yo as speakers. A week-long meeting seemed to pass by, then on the last day before they went back to their own church, after Graham Lee and Blair gave fiery sermons, as Graham Lee suggested prayer for the Holy Spirit, they all began to pray together and Kil Sunju came out and started repenting his sin. Then, the wall of oppression broke open and all started repenting their sins and the Holy Spirit came. It was the time when Japanese imperialism began to occupy Korea and Protestantism brought by American missionaries was regarded not only as a religion but also as an ideology for freedom and equality. The Pyongyang revival was an independent act of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's revival of the worldwide church in the early 20th century independent from Welsh or Azusa revival. Those missionaries may not have heard of contemporary revivals in Wales or Azusa. Other reports included these. From Wednesday 2nd of January church representatives gathered for 10 days at the annual New Year Bible study course at Pyongyang. A spirit of prayer broke out. The meetings carried on day after day, with confessions of sins, weeping and trembling. Then on Monday night 7th of January, so many wanted to pray that the leaders called all 1,500 of them to pray aloud together. Their prayers mingled with public confession, much weeping, and many dropping prostrate on the floor in agonies of repentance. It astounded observers. The delegates of the New Year gathering returned to their churches taking with them this spirit of prayer which strongly impacted the churches of the nation with revival. That pattern of simultaneous prayer became a feature of Korean church life. Everywhere conviction of sin, confession and restitution were common. Within two months 2,000 were converted, and 30,000 had become Christians by the middle of 1907. Persecution at the hands of the Japanese and then the Russian and Chinese communists saw thousands killed, but still the church grew in fervent prayer. Prior to the Russian invasion, thousands of North Koreans gathered every morning at 5 a.m. Sometimes 10,000 were gathered in one place for prayer each morning. Early morning daily prayer meetings became common, as did nights of prayer throughout Korea. Now over a million gather every morning around 5 a.m. for prayer in the churches. Prayer and fasting is normal. Churches have over 100 prayer retreats in the hills called prayer mountains to which thousands go to pray, often with fasting. Healings and supernatural manifestations continue. Koreans have sent over 10,000 missionaries into other Asian countries. Korea now has the largest Presbyterian and Methodist churches in the world, and has four of the world's seven largest Sunday church attendances. The now late David Yonggi Cho, 1936-2021, had amazing growth in Seoul where he was the senior pastor of a full gospel church of 800,000 with over 25,000 home cell groups, and sustained church growth. During the week over 3,000 a day and over 5,000 at weekends pray at their prayer mountain. Political developments in North Korea remind us that revival is often accompanied by increased persecution, as in the early church in the Book of Acts and persecution in the Roman Empire. Precious saints hasn't Jesus made some wonderful promises to us? 
He has promised the Holy Spirit as our Counselor who will never leave us alone. He has promised us life in Him and in the Father. When we love Him and obey His commands, the Father will love us, and Christ will reveal Himself to us. When we love and obey God, He takes up residence in our lives to live in us and with us. Did you notice the importance of obedience in all those promises? Those who do not obey, do not love Him. And their experience with God will be quite different. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told the parable about the two builders. One built his house on a rock, and the other built his on sand. When the storms came, the house on the rock stood firm and the other was destroyed. He said our lives are like those two builders. Those who obey are wise like the man who built his house on the rock. When the storms of life come, we can remain strong through the tough times. Those who do not obey are foolish like the man who built his house on the sand. People like that cannot remain strong when the storms of life rage around them. If God were to grade your obedience to His commands, what kind of grade would you receive from Him? Based on your obedience and what He has said in His Word, what can you expect from Him? Can you expect a strong life even during the storms? Can you expect Him to reveal Himself to you and take up residence in your life? Or can you expect to collapse when the storms of life come? Could you possibly hear Him say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers, Matthew 7:23. Jesus said, Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, that person is my brother and sister and mother, Matthew 12:50. Though we are not saved by obedience and our good works, they are evidence that we share the family resemblance. They show others that we belong to His family. Let us pray saints. 1. Ask God to evaluate your obedience. What does that reveal about your love for Him? Your relationship to Him? 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take to obey Him and experience His best? 3. Pray today by name for a person who is yet to believe in Christ as Savior. List the name in your prayer journal to pray. 4. Altars that are working against us, let the heavens send judgment against you now, in the name of Jesus. 5. Evil altars, the day of your judgment has come by fire, in the name of Jesus. 6. Let every altar of witchcraft and familiar spirit, be broken in the name of Jesus. 7. We set the fire of God on demon powers eating sacrifices on crossroads. Day 15 The 15th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 15. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing, John 15 5. And later he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. John 15:11 Walking with Jesus, living the way he lives and loving the way he loves is impossible without the Bible. Though Jesus is now in heaven with the Father, do you remember how he promised to help us until his return? The Holy Spirit, as we learned yesterday, will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 14:26 The Holy Spirit is accomplishing this mission every day by speaking to you through the Bible. A life without Jesus is a life without joy and one full of spiritual frustration. That is why we need the Bible not just for 21 days, but for a lifetime. Each day allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of God's love and Jesus' life. And then take those lessons into the world, and let others see. Revival Thoughts for Today. 1914, Belgian Congo, Africa, Charles T. Studd. Africa has seen many powerful revivals, such as the Belgian Congo outpouring with C.T. Studd, 1860-1931, in 1914. Charles T. Studd played cricket for England in the famous 1882 match won by Australia which was the beginning of the Ashes. 
He was one of the famous Cambridge Seven who served God in pioneering mission work in China from 1885 and Hudson Taylor's China Inland Mission. He wrote, Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. He was a pastor in India, 1900-1906, and then from 1910 pioneered mission in Africa, founding the Heart of Africa Mission which later became the Worldwide Evangelical Crusade, WEC. His daughter married Norman Grubb who led WEC after Stud died in Africa. He saw revival in the Congo in 1914. The whole place was charged as if with an electric current. Men were falling, jumping, laughing, crying, singing, confessing and some shaking terribly, he reported. As I led in prayer the Spirit came down in mighty power sweeping the congregation. My whole body trembled with the power. We saw a marvelous sight, people literally filled and drunk with the Spirit. Accounts like that are typical of the continuing moves of God's Spirit in Africa this century. Early this century an estimated 10% of the population was Christian. The Christian population reached 50% of Africa south of the Sahara. By the end of the 20th century the number of African Christians exceeded 400 million. The majority of this growth is with the African independent churches characterized by strong spirit movements. Local revivals are a continuing characteristic of revivals in Africa and of the worldwide growth of the church this century. Precious saints the scriptures tell us will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Psalm 85 6, over 500 years ago, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany, and set in motion a movement that rocked Europe. Though many other factors joined to launch the Protestant Reformation, God used a revival in Luther's heart to start a revival of Christianity in his time. Our scripture today from Psalm 85 calls for a revival that begins with the Holy Spirit working in individual hearts, bringing a refreshing return to God with passion and zeal. Revival is not a random burst of energy and emotion but is based on truth found in the Bible. For Luther and other reformers of the 16th century, the revival that came to be called the Protestant Reformation was based on five enduring principles. True Christian faith is based on Scripture alone, on salvation in Christ alone, by grace alone and through faith alone, and all of this is for glory to God alone. These five points summarize the key principles of the Reformation. Are these five lasting principles at work in our lives? As we ponder these teachings that were rediscovered long ago, may their truth work in our hearts to strengthen and revive us, making us agents of revival wherever God has placed us. Let us pray saints. One dot, thank you, Lord, for the way you shape and discipline your church. As we reflect on your salvation this month, we pray with the psalmist, revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, Amen. 2. I command that every altar of wickedness constructed against us to be broken in the name of Jesus. 3. Let the fire of God fall down and consume every altar of false religion in this country in the name of Jesus. 4. I disgrace every altar of iniquity in my life by the blood of Jesus. 5. Let the altar of witchcraft in my household be roasted in Jesus. Day 16 The 16th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 16. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Have you ever been a bit mystified by Jesus' promise, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you? John 16:23. Can that really be true? Can you ask God for anything and you will get it? Is this really a blank check He's offering? Instead of a blank check, think of it as a company credit card. With a blank check, you can walk into any store, find anything you like and bring it home. It is a gift you spend on yourself. A company card, on the other hand, can buy just as much, but the purchase is on behalf of the company you represent. That is what the phrase, in my name, means in the verse above. A constant theme of Jesus' ministry is that His work is on behalf of God the Father. 
and in these past couple of chapters, Jesus reminded His disciples that they will soon be doing the works of the Father too. Jesus has promised us the help of the Holy Spirit to instruct us and to remind us of His teachings and actions. He also promises us the resources we need us to accomplish His work on earth. Will this mean fast cars and fine dining for the children of God? Rarely. What it does mean is that whenever our hearts are set on doing the will of God, we will have everything we need. Revival Thoughts for Today. 1909, July, Valparaiso, Chile, Willis Hoover. Minnie Abrams, who worked at Mukti in India during the 1905 revival there, sent an account of it in 1907 to her friend Mary Hoover, wife of Willis Hoover, 1856-1936, Methodist missionaries in Chile. They began praying with their congregation for a similar revival in Chile. Often groups prayed all night. Many confessed sins openly and made restitution for wrongs done. That prepared the way for the revival which burst on them on Sunday, July 4th. Willis Hoover wrote, Saturday night was an all-night of prayer, during which four vain young ladies, three of them were in the choir, fell to the floor under the power of the Spirit. One of them, after praying a long time, began to exhort saying, The Lord is coming soon and commands us to get ready. The effect produced was indescribable. The following morning in Sunday school, at ten o'clock, a day seemed to rest upon the people. Some were unable to rise after the opening prayer which had been like the sound of many waters, and all were filled with wonder. From that time on the atmosphere seemed charged by the Holy Spirit, and people fell on the floor, or broke out in other tongues, or singing in the Spirit, in a way impossible in their natural condition. On one occasion a woman, a young lady, and a girl of twelve were lying on the floor in different parts of the prayer room, with eyes closed and silent. Suddenly, as with one voice, they burst forth into a song in a familiar tune but in unknown tongues, all speaking the same words. After a verse or two they became silent, then again suddenly, another tune, a verse or two, and silence. This was repeated until they had sung ten tunes, always using the same words and keeping in perfect time together as if led by some invisible chorister. Within two months the congregation grew from 300 to 1,000 and the revival spread to other cities. Willis Hoover had to leave the denomination, but established the Pentecostal Methodist Church which now has over 600,000 members in Chile. Precious Saints Jesus is coming again. Our redemption is drawing near. But people without the saving work of Jesus Christ are headed to horrible torment in hell. The Lord brought 1 Corinthians 7:29 to my attention, The time is short, it remaineth, that both they that have wives be as though they had none, KJV. Time is short and eternity is long. We have been warned what life without Christ will be like in eternity. The Lord wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance, to pet. 3-9. On my way to New York City, I realized that time is short could mean the Lord knows other attacks are coming. But then I realized time is short could mean that Jesus' second coming is near. Finally, I realized that life is short. Whether the Lord returns soon, or I face a tragedy or disease that could take my life, or I just grow old, any way my life on earth concludes, time to trust Christ is short. Then I realized I need to live my life with urgency. I cannot afford to waste my time and life on trivial matters. As you pray for those coming to your mind that are yet to believe, keep their eternal destiny on your heart. Let us pray saints. 1. Ask God to reveal to you the people around you who are headed to torment without Christ. Ask Him to give you a view of the masses around the world who are yet to hear about Jesus. Ask Him to give you His compassion for those for whom He died and ask Him to stir up an urgency in your living for His sake. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Pray today by name for a person who is yet to believe in Christ as Savior and pray for them. 4. Raise your two hands up Father Lord, 
baptize my hand with your liquid fire mixed with the blood of Jesus to destroy and break witchcraft curses. 5. Lay the two hands on your head Father Lord, destroy every witchcraft curse upon my life by your fire, in the name of Jesus. 6. You my divine destiny, you will not be bewitched, in the name of Jesus. 7. I gather all witchcraft curses issued against my life and I uproot them and destroy them by fire in Jesus' name. Day 17 The 17th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 17. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Have you ever been in a tough situation and asked a friend to pray? It is comforting to know that someone cares about you and is willing to pray on your behalf. It is a uniquely Christian experience too. It draws us together knowing we have a Father in Heaven who not only listens to our prayer but asks us to give them. Did you know that Jesus said a prayer for you? In John 17 we see Jesus pray, first for Himself and for God's glory, then for His disciples and then He turns His eyes to the future. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word, John 17:20. Jesus knew that after He was gone, the message of Christ would spread like fire to the ends of the earth. That includes us today. Jesus went on to pray for us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, John 17:21. Believers from all corners of the world, despite their differences, are united by their love of God and their desire to see His kingdom spread on earth. And one of the best ways to maintain that unity is simply by praying for each other, which is exactly what Jesus demonstrated here. Revival Thoughts for Today. 1930, Pinnacle Pocket Revival, North Queensland, Australia. The Pinnacle Pocket, near Cairns, Revival occurred primarily among the Aboriginal people in the Kanakas, South Sea Islanders, in a remote part of the Atherton Tablelands, North Queensland in the 1930s. Interestingly the Pinnacle Pocket Revival had a direct connection to the 1904 Welsh Revival when a convert from that revival came to Australia to live there. He invited his workers to pray with him in his home and the revival began there. Many of those Aboriginal Christian leaders saw thousands come to Christ, many churches were planted and many extraordinary miracles occurred under their ministry. Aboriginal elder and leader Pease Peter Morgan was deeply touched through the heritage of the Pinnacle Pocket Revival. Peter Morgan preached the gospel all over Australia and even in Parliament House. He saw many signs and wonders as he preached the good news of Christ's love and prayed for people. In his ministry, mainly in remote Aboriginal communities in Northern Australia, he saw six people raised from the dead. Precious saints whenever Jesus saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, Matthew 9:36. The closer you get to Jesus and the more time you spend with Him, the more your heart will begin to beat with love for those He loves. Think about the crowds Jesus may have seen in Israel 2,000 years ago. How large were they? 5, 10, or 20,000? Maybe more? Now think about the crowds you have seen live, in books or social media, on television, or in the movies. Have you seen some of those crowds with hundreds of thousands of people? Have you seen crowds in the cities where masses of people go by continually? In our world the numbers of people in the spiritual harvest field are multiplying rapidly. Who will tell them the good news? Who will go? Who will have the privilege of reaping the spiritual harvest among them? When Jesus saw the crowds of His day, He asked His disciples to pray for workers in the harvest fields. If you still have your Bible open to Matthew, look at chapter 10. Just after the disciples prayed for workers, Jesus told them to go into the towns and cities to preach the good news about His kingdom. Today, keep your eyes open to see the crowds around you, in newspapers or magazines, or on the internet or television. When you see a crowd, pray that God will call and send out workers to that harvest field. Let us pray saints. 1. 
Pray for the workers who are already working to bring in a spiritual harvest. Pray for their protection, wisdom, spiritual and physical health, and fruitfulness. Pray that God will call and send workers. Pray that He will call some from your church and even from your family. 2. Give God permission to call and direct you to work in the harvest. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Pray today by name for one person or even for a crowd or people group who have yet to believe in Christ as Savior. 4. Zero Lord, let your thunder and fire locate all covens of witches and wizards established against your people and the nations in Jesus' mighty name. 2. As the wax is melted by fire, let all witchcraft covens caging our lives or destiny evaporate by fire, in Jesus' name. 5. All witchcraft banks and strong room harboring our blessings and treasures be pulled down by fire, in the name of Jesus. 6. Every witchcraft coven calling our name for evil be destroyed by fire in the name of Jesus. Day 18 The 18th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 18. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. It is a miracle that Jesus was ever killed. I do not say that to be glib or offensive. But when you read through this chapter, it is hard not to notice that all the events worked out in such a way as to lead Christ to His death. God was leading Jesus to the cross despite the people involved. Judas and the mob cowered when Jesus identified Himself, 18-6. When Jesus was questioned by the high priests, it was clear they had no charges to bring against Him. He had hidden nothing of His actions, and they were the actions of a teacher, not a rebel, vv. 19-24. The high priests sent Him to Pilate, the Roman official in Jerusalem. When Pilate asked why the Jews brought Jesus to him, their answer was evasive, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you, v. 30, ESV. When Pilate interviewed Jesus, he found nothing wrong with him, v. v. 28-40. Jesus' death was a tragedy just as it is a tragedy when anyone dies under false accusations. But Jesus' death was also a miracle. His purpose in living was to die for us. And he lives now so that we might never die. Revival Thoughts for Today. 1915, October, Gazaland, South Africa, Reese Howells. A further example of strong spirit movement spreading in revival from Wales is told by Reese Howells, 1879-1950, who founded the Bible College of Wales following his return from missionary work in South Africa. Converted while working in America in 1904 for three years, he returned to Wales and participated actively in the revival. In 1906 at the Landrindad Convention he made a total surrender of his life to God and was filled with the Spirit. This led him to offer for missionary work in Africa. In 1915 he joined the South Africa General Mission founded by Andrew Murray, which then had 170 European and African worker in 25 stations, north as far as Belgian Congo. He was sent to Russity Mission Station in Gazaland near the border of Portuguese East Africa. There he reported on the Welsh revival. Within six weeks the spirit began to move upon the Christians. On a Friday evening the spirit moved on the group meeting in the Howells home as they sang, and they continued the singing the next days in their gardens and elsewhere. Howells recognized a sound he had heard in the Welsh revival. You know it when you hear it, he said, but you can't make it, and by the following Thursday, I was singing it too. There was something about it which changed you, and brought you into the stillness of God. The following Sunday revival broke out as the Spirit moved on them all. Rhys Howells reported. The Sunday was October 10th, my birthday, and as I preached in the morning, you could feel the Spirit coming on the congregation. In the evening, down he came. I shall never forget it. He came upon a young girl, Kuface by name, who had fasted for three days under conviction that she was not ready for the Lord's coming. As she prayed she broke down crying, 
and within five minutes the whole congregation were on their faces crying to God. Like lightning and thunder the power came down. I had never seen this, even in the Welsh revival. I had only heard about it with Finney and others. Heaven had opened, and there was no room to contain the blessing. I lost myself in the Spirit and prayed as much as they did. All I could say was, He has come. We went on until late in the night, we couldn't stop the meeting. What he told me before I went to Africa was actually taking place, and that within six weeks. You can never describe those meetings when the Holy Spirit comes down. I shall never forget the sound in the district that night, praying in every crawl. The next day he came again, and people were on their knees till 6 p.m. This went on for six days and people began to confess their sins and come free as the Holy Spirit brought them through. They had forgiveness of sins, and met the Savior as only the Holy Spirit can reveal Him. Everyone who came near would go under the power of the Spirit. People stood up to give their testimonies, and it was nothing to see 25 on their feet at the same time. At the end of one week nearly all were through. We had two revival meetings every day for 15 months without a single break, and meetings all day on Fridays. Hundreds were converted, but we were looking for more, for the 10,000, upon whom he had told us we had a claim. The revival spread through all the mission stations within a year. The Howells visited many of the stations and spoke at the annual conference. The mission reported over 10,000 converts during the three-year revival, which included a lot of public confession and great joy. Precious saints the final words of famous people are long remembered and often quoted. When a person knows he is on his deathbed, he might even prepare a final statement of challenge to family and friends. Final words can have great significance for the next generation. Jesus Christ came to provide salvation for all mankind. Following His death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days giving His disciples their final instructions to guide the church until His second coming. Not many of those words were recorded in the Scripture for us to read. But some were recorded, and they were perhaps His most important last words. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, He gave one final command to His disciples. He didn't want His disciples to miss this most important commission for the church. The future of His kingdom would depend on their obedience. Each of the Gospel writers records a variation of this command indicating that Jesus gave special attention to it during His final days on earth. You read those in the Scriptures above. How faithful have you been to obey Christ's final command? Are you making disciples as you go about your daily living? Have you preached the good news? Are you talking with others about repentance and forgiveness that is available through Jesus Christ? Since Jesus was sent to seek and save the lost, are you seeking to point lost people to Him for salvation? Let us pray saints. 1. Talk to God about the status of your obedience to Christ's final command. If your obedience is lacking, confess your sin. Ask Him to guide and enable your obedience. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Pray today by name for a person who is yet to believe in Christ as Savior. 4. Every witchcraft coven having our picture or image be consumed by fire in the name of Jesus. 5. Every area of our lives caged by witchcraft coven be released now by fire in the name of Jesus. Day 19 The 19th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 19. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. In today's chapter about the crucifixion of Jesus, we are told of four specific prophecies, or predictions, that came true about Him. When soldiers gambled for Jesus' clothes, this was a fulfillment of Psalm 22:18. When Jesus says, I thirst, in verse 28 and given sour wine, this is a fulfillment of Psalm 69:21. Verse 37 is a fulfillment of Zechariah 12:10. they will look, on Him whom they have pierced, ESV, referring to the soldier who stabbed Jesus in the side with a spear. 
but the most significant fulfillment of prophecy is in verse 36 where it mentions that none of Jesus' bones were broken. Exodus 12:46 says, You shall not break any of its bones. At first, this does not sound like a prophecy at all. It is talking about how to prepare the Passover lamb. The lamb itself was to be a perfect one with no spots or blemishes. And when it was killed, its blood was to be spread on the doorposts of the house. On the original Passover, an angel from God went throughout Egypt. In any house that did not have blood on the doorposts, the firstborn was killed. The blood of the lamb was the symbol of God's redemption and protection. Jesus was the Passover lamb for the world. His blood has redeemed us from hell and the consequences of our sins. All we need to do is believe. Revival Thoughts for Today 1936, June, Gahini, Rwanda, East African Revival. Evangelical Anglican missionaries of the Church Missionary Society working in the East Central Africa countries of Rwanda, Burundi, and Uganda, emphasized the Keswick teaching of new birth, being filled with the Holy Spirit and living in victory. This teaching undergirded the East African Revival which continued for 50 years from the 1930s. Roy Hessian's famous book, The Calvary Road, came out of his experience of the East African Revival. The Rwanda Mission, founded in 1920, experienced local revivals in the late 1920s and early 1930s. Increasingly people prayed. By 1936 thousands were praying. Then powerful revival broke out at the mission station at Guinea in Rwanda on Wednesday, June 24, 1936. It seemed as though the Holy Spirit with His unseen hand gathered together the hospital staff, men from the nearby village, and others in a room with the hospital. They prayed and sang, and some were smitten down under a tremendous conviction of sin. Revival swept into the girls' school, and similar manifestations came from five different centers across the mission. Everywhere the mysterious power of the Holy Spirit was at work. The revival spread to the theological college where 50 students caught fire. During the mid-year holiday period 70 evangelists traveled in revival teams of two or three into the villages. The African Rwanda mission had 20,000 converts by 1942 in 700 village congregations with 1,400 trained workers including five ordained priests. The famous East African Revival which began in Rwanda in June 1936 rapidly spread to the neighboring countries of Burundi, Uganda and the Congo, then further around. The Holy Spirit moved upon mission schools, spread to churches and to whole communities, producing deep repentance and changed lives. Anglican Archdeacon Arthur Pitt Pitts wrote in September, I have been to all the stations where this revival is going on, and they all have the same story to tell. The fire was alight in all of them before the middle of June, but during the last week in June, it burst into a wild flame which, like the African grass fire before the wind, cannot be put out. That East African revival continued for 40 to 50 years and helped to establish a new zeal for enthusiastic holiness in African Christianity. It confronted demonic strongholds, and began to prepare churches to cope with the horrors of massacres and warfare of later years. Now revival is again transforming whole communities in East Africa. Precious Saints Jesus has called us to be as witnesses, Acts 1-8, and this is what he was talking about. A witness is one who reports on what he knows and has personally experienced. None but you can tell your story as a personal testimony. And when you are filled with His Holy Spirit, you will have power in your witness to Him. Today, I want you to reflect on all the good things God has done for you. What changes has Christ worked in your life? How is your life different because you have known Christ? Where do you think you would be had you not placed your faith in Him? You can make a few notes in your prayer journal. If you are meeting with others in your family for this daily prayer and devotional time, share your stories with one another. Tell about His wonderful works in your behalf. Praise and thank Him together. Let us pray saints. 1. Thank God for all the good things He has done for you. Be specific. 2. Pray today by name for a person who is yet to believe in Christ as Savior. 
Pray also today for others you have listed down or recently prayed for. 3. Pray about when and how you will share your story with your people back home. Are there people who knew your before Christ story that you need to tell? 4. Every throne of witchcraft in our neighborhoods be pulled down, in the name of Jesus. 5. Let the ground open and swallow every witchcraft throne hiding in the body of Christ, in the name of Jesus. 6. Every flying throne of witchcraft be cast down, in the name of Jesus. 7. Every throne of witchcraft set up against our enthronement, be demolished, in the name of Jesus. Day 20 The 20th of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 20. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Normally, when a person dies and is laid to rest, you expect the story to end. But this is not a normal story, and Jesus was not a normal man. One of the first descriptions of Jesus in the book of John was, in him was life, 1-4, ESV. Throughout his ministry, Jesus restored many people to health and even brought the dead back to life. It comes as no surprise then that Jesus, life incarnate, could not stay dead. John ends this chapter by telling us why he wrote his gospel in the first place. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, John 20 31. This is not the first time in the book of John that life is offered to those who believe in Jesus. But if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, those earlier promises would have meant nothing. Any man can promise you life and salvation, but only one man proved that he had the power to give life. That man was Jesus, and death could not hold on to him. It is because of that we can believe that he truly has the power to give eternal life to those who believe in him. If you have not made that choice yet, would you today? We have only one more day to go in our 21-day challenge. See you tomorrow. Revival Thoughts for Today. 1927, February, Shanghai, China, John Sung. John Sung, 1901-1944, from Hingwa of the Fukien province in southeast China, son of a Methodist minister, was converted at nine and studied in America from 1920 at Wesleyan University of Ohio, Ohio State University, where he gained his Doctor of Philosophy degree in Chemistry, and at Union Theological Seminary. On 10th of February, 1927, when a decade of revival was starting to break out in China, John Sung recommitted himself to Christ after a period of skepticism and was suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit and an inexpressible joy. Seminary authorities, concerned at his sudden fanaticism had him committed to an asylum where he had only his Bible and a fountain pen for six months. During that time he read the Bible forty times. He returned to China in October, 1927, married, and soon became the field evangelist of the Bethel Bible School of Shanghai. He allied himself with Andrew G. and other graduates from the school to form the Bethel Evangelistic Band. This apostolic team spread revival all over China. Although reserved, when preaching Sung was fervent with an intense emotion, denouncing sin and emphasizing repentance and restitution. His prophetic gifting often revealed specific sins or obstructions to faith. He laid hands on the sick and hundreds were healed in his meetings. Like other revivalists, he prayed long and earnestly. God used this apostolic team mightily to spread the fires of revival all over China as they went out preaching and singing the gospel. When John Sung was not behind the pulpit, he was reserved and even subdued. However, when preaching he was a man of fervency and intense emotions. He always emphasized repentance and the need for complete restitution where it was at all possible. He fearlessly denounced all sin and hypocrisy wherever he found it, especially among hardened ministers. Yet he also moved audiences with the message of Christ's tender and unfailing love, as few others could. Sung's meetings were always accompanied by a tremendous amount of conviction and brokenness over sin. It was not uncommon for hundreds of people to be seen with tears streaming down their faces and crying out for mercy. 
convicted sinners frequently would rush forward to openly confess their sins before the whole congregation. On several occasions he pointed out the sins of some backslidden pastor with incredible and fearful accuracy. When John Sung was not actively preaching or organizing a new evangelistic team, he usually could be found writing in his diary or adding to his ever-growing prayer list. He carefully prayed over an extensive list of people's needs, with dozens of small photographs. John Sung was a faithful intercessor and always requested a small picture of those desiring prayer in order to help him intercede with a deeper burden. Everywhere he went, he urged the people to give themselves to prayer. John Sung made it his regular habit to be up every morning at 5 a.m. to pray for two or three hours. He believed that prayer was the most important work of the believer. He defined faith as watching God work while on your knees. Because it was evident that John Sung was a man of great power in prayer, the sick and crippled increasingly came to him to receive prayer for their bodies. John Sung always made time to tenderly pray for their needs. Sometimes he would personally lay hands on and pray for as many as 500 to 600 people at one time. In spite of the fact that so many marvelous healings followed his ministry, he suffered for years from intestinal tuberculosis. This disease consistently plagued him with painful and infected bleeding ulcers in his colon. Nevertheless he still continued to fervently preach, sometimes in a kneeling position to lessen the terrible pain. Finally, after years of suffering with this affliction, he died at only 43, on August 18, 1944. Estimates of conversions in that decade of revival run to hundreds of thousands in China and Southeast Asia, with thousands of churches established throughout the whole region. Precious saints your life is a living testimony of the power of the gospel. A sinful lifestyle or behavior can bring shame and discredit the cause of Christ. But Christ-like living can demonstrate the power of Christ to change lives and make the gospel appealing to others. The Bible says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Matthew 5 6, Isaiah 44 3 For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground, I will pour my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. Therefore, as you pray and seek to reach out to those in your families and circles of influence, your life will be like a water jug. People who need Jesus Christ as Savior are thirsting for the living water. When they look at Christ through your glass jug life, will they be thirsty enough to drink? Will they see the pure, clean water of life and decide to drink deeply? Or will they see impurities and uncleanness that cause them to put off a decision for Jesus Christ? How clean is your water jug? Let us pray. 1. Ask God to reveal to you anything in your life that might hinder others from choosing to follow Him. Ask Him to enable you to live in such a way that others will want what they see in you, living water. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. What actions will you take? 3. Let the throne of Jesus Christ be established in every area of my life, in the name La, of Jesus. 4. Let the thunder of God locate and dismantle the throne of witchcraft in our households. 5. Every throne that has exalted itself against my life, I cast you down, in the name of Jesus. Day 21 The 21st of May 2023, read the whole of John chapter 21. Read either as an individual, family or church and then read the questions that you can reflect and discuss as well as read the revival thoughts for each day. Things to ponder. Okay, be honest. When you started this challenge, did you think you would make it to day 21? We are glad you stuck with it because you have taken a significant step toward making Bible reading a daily part of your life. Whether you feel it now or not, your time in the Word these last three weeks will prove in the future to have been time well spent. We hope you have seen how the Word of God, the Book of John specifically, can apply to your life today. Here's a couple of those applications. First, Jesus is alive. That is something that is repeated every Easter, but let it sink in. Though Jesus is now in heaven with God, the man that we read about who lived 2,000 years ago is still alive. He is still caring for those who love him, and like we learned in chapter 17, 
He's still praying for us. See Hebrews 7:25. Second, God has sent the Holy Spirit. We read in the book of Acts about the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit arrived just as Jesus promised. That Spirit, in all of us who believe, is currently and daily carrying out the promises Jesus made, to teach us and to help us remember Jesus. Finally, Jesus has a promise waiting to be fulfilled. He promised He would come again so that we can be with Him where He is. See John 14:3, and that gives us hope. It is our prayer that you will continue daily spending time in the Word and connecting with the God who was, who is and who is to come. God bless. Revival Thoughts for Today. 1949, October, Hebrides Islands, Scotland, Duncan Campbell. Following the trauma of World War II, spiritual life reached a low ebb in the Scottish Hebrides. By 1949 Peggy and Christine Smith, 84 and 82, had prayed constantly for revival in their cottage near Barvis village on the Isle of Lewis, the largest of the Hebrides Islands in the bleak northwest of Scotland. God showed Peggy in a dream that revival was coming. Months later, early one winter's morning as the sisters were praying, God gave them an unshakable conviction that revival was near. Peggy asked her minister James Murray Mackay to call the church leaders to prayer. Three nights a week the leaders prayed together for months. One night, having begun to pray at 10 p.m., a young deacon from the Free Church read Psalm 24 and challenged everyone to be clean before God. As they waited on God his awesome presence swept over them in the barn at 4 a.m. Mackay invited Duncan Campbell, 1898-1972, to come and lead meetings. Within two weeks he came. God had intervened and changed Duncan's plans and commitments. At the close of his first meeting in the Presbyterian Church in Barvis the travel-weary preacher was invited to join an all-night prayer meeting. Thirty people gathered for prayer in a nearby cottage. Duncan Campbell described it. God was beginning to move, the heavens were opening, we were there on our faces before God. Three o'clock in the morning came, and God swept in. About a dozen men and women lay prostrate on the floor, speechless. Something had happened, we knew that the forces of darkness were going to be driven back, and men were going to be delivered. We left the cottage at 3 a.m. to discover men and women seeking God. I walked along a country road, and found three men on their faces, crying to God for mercy. There was a light in every home, no one seemed to think of sleep. When Duncan and his friends arrived at the church that morning it was already crowded. People had gathered from all over the island, some coming in buses and vans. No one discovered who told them to come. God led them. Large numbers were converted as God's Spirit convicted multitudes of sin, many lying prostrate, many weeping. After that amazing day in the church, Duncan pronounced the benediction, but then a young man began to pray aloud. He prayed for 45 minutes. Once more the church filled with people repenting and the service continued till 4 a.m. the next morning before Duncan could pronounce the benediction again. Even then he was unable to go home to bed. As he was leaving the church a messenger told him, Mr. Campbell, people are gathered at the police station, from the other end of the parish, they are in great spiritual distress. Can anyone here come along and pray with them? Campbell went and what a sight met him. Under the still starlit sky he found men and women on the road, others by the side of a cottage, and some behind a peat stack all crying to God for mercy. The revival had come. His mission continued for five weeks. Services were held from early morning until late at night and into the early hours of the morning. The revival spread to the neighboring parishes from Barvis with similar scenes of repentance, prayer and preaching. People sensed the awesome presence of God everywhere. That move of God in answer to prevailing prayer continued in the area into the 50s and peaked again on the previously resistant island of North Uist in 1957. Meetings were again crowded and night after night people cried out to God for salvation. The Hebrides revival, experienced in a Presbyterian context, illustrates how the impact of the Sprit floods and transcends any context. K. 
Campbell emphasized the importance of a baptism in the Spirit, as had been a common theme in the Welsh Revival. May God send a powerful revival to all those that hunger for more of God today. Precious saints if you have been fasting from food to seek the Lord in prayer for revival and awakening, you can identify with Jesus. The disciples were trying to get Him to eat, but He was preparing to reap a spiritual harvest of a city. His food was to obey the will of His Father. Sometimes a spiritual purpose will be far more important to us than taking time to eat. Jesus' disciples were surprised when they found Him speaking to the woman. A Jewish man would not be caught in public talking to a Samaritan woman, especially a divorcee with five ex-husbands. What was He doing? The disciples may have expected a spiritual harvest when Jesus established His kingdom. Jesus essentially said, Why wait? It's harvest time now. Let us hear His words for us. We could be saying something like this. One maybe awakening will come when all the churches experience revival. Two we can't expect a harvest when the lost world is so cold and hardened. Three he's delayed 2,000 years to come back. We don't need to rush now. Four we have tried before, fished all night. This isn't a good time. One day Peter and his partners had been fishing all night. But Jesus told them to go into the deep water and drop their nets. They reluctantly obeyed and caught so many fish they nearly sank two boats. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. Luke 5 8. That is the day Jesus called him to fish for men. Did you notice the great harvest of fish came before Peter confessed his sin? Sometimes God's kindness brings repentance, Romans 2 4. The harvest is the Lord's work. He has chosen us to be workers together with Him in this great task. He is bringing in a harvest in many places around the world. He is fully able to do that where we live also. Let us pay attention to His final statement of His final command to us and be as witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus would say to us, Open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ready for harvest, John 4:35. Let us pray saints. 1. Pledge your willingness to obey God and ask Him to bring in a great harvest for His glory. Continue to pray for workers for the harvest. 2. Ask God what He wants you to do today to apply what He has revealed. 3. Ask the Lord to perform His perfect will within your life. 4. As you have completed the last 21 days, ask the Lord to reveal to you and your family His plan and purpose before His soon coming and snatching away. Extra reading to get some insight into what is ahead of us also, for just as we are believing for revival we must also know that prophetic events shall be fulfilled. Why? To make way for the rapture of the remnant bride and the Lord's second coming. As you know we have been exposing the enemy's agenda, so people can be aware of the times that we are living in and prepare. Plan food shortages. For those that have seen within their supermarkets, grocery stores, and restaurants, there seems to be signs of a food shortage, due to supply issues. We have seen the price of fuel skyrocket and the conflict in Ukraine cause a global issue of the imports of fertilizer and grains nearly cease. We have already seen cargo ships being hindered to unload on the ports docks for one reason or another. This is all part of the master plan of the elites to bring about a food shortage across the globe and potentially start a food war. It's a plan of Davos deluded billionaires, big banks, mega-corporations, media oligarchs to collapse the entire economic and social order, replacing it with a new digital ID system of ironclad control over every facet of our lives. So, at the very bottom of this blog, I will share some advice to stock up a little out of wisdom and not fear. Now the truth is despite of how it may seem today the enemy's plans are happening, God is still sovereign and is allowing to bring about His perfect will. The rapture is imminent. Saints now with the tribulation period fast approaching, we need to set our houses in order before the rapture of the remnant bride of Christ. Why are we told to look for that blessed hope? What is so blessed, and why should our hope be in it? I'll tell you why, 
because it is an event where the Lord will remove Christians that are truly His before the coming judgment of God on this Christ-rejecting world. Once the rapture takes place, this world will change dramatically and if you thought things were bad now, then you really do not want to be left behind. See if I knew we were to be left behind I would be preaching in tears, knowing what is about to happen. So, throughout this program we will focus more on personal and corporate revival. There is no other better time not than to remind your loved ones of what is to come and to not to take the mark of the beast and worship the Antichrist. So, utilize this time to make things right with God and with man if there is any hidden offense that you either need to make right or forgive from the heart. Though the tribulation will be a horrific time on earth where evil will increase and control amplified to the worst levels in history, there is a place far worse than the tribulation period, and that place is called hell. For it is a place of burning, weeping, and agonizing pain that will never end throughout all eternity, Luke 16 19-31. Don't make that mistake and end up in a burning hell but come to the Lord Jesus Christ today. The prophesied wars that are ahead. As I look at all the current world events today all I see are the signs we are getting closer to the tribulation. But before that happens, I believe that the trigger for the Antichrist to come on the scene, Daniel 9 27, will be not the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war and I think most would agree. This battle of Gog and Magog, which is described in, Ezekiel 38-39, will take place around this time before the tribulation period. This battle will be led by Russia and an Islamic coalition consisting of Iran, Turkey, Ethiopia, Sudan and Libya etc. who will come down and try to attack Israel. I do not believe that Putin is the Antichrist, but he will be used as Gog in the Ezekiel 38-39 war. See the Antichrist will put a stop to the death and destruction that will come from the aftermath of this war, Ezekiel 38-39, and he will confirm a peace covenant. He will have a solution for the Ezekiel war. But even before the Ezekiel war happens other events can happen first and will happen very fast as a matter of fact. Now one event that we should keep our eyes open for is the Isaiah 17 prophecy of the destruction of Damascus, along with the Jeremiah 49 prophecy of the destruction of Elam. Now another also is the complete fulfillment of the Psalm 83 prophecy also. The prophecy of Elam, Jeremiah 49. Now coming back to the Jeremiah 49 34-39 prophecy, if Israel uses its forces to fulfill these events, then this might be the trigger for the Ezekiel 38 and 39 attack on Israel. The Isaiah 17 event is overnight according to the scriptures it tells us and as for the Elam attack in Iran, I don't believe that will be more than a day or two. Jeremiah issued his prophecies concerning Elam about 596 BC Jeremiah wrote about Elam about a decade before his contemporary Ezekiel prophesied about Persia in Ezekiel 38:5. Ezekiel's ministry spanned between 595 to 573 BC modern-day Iran is comprised of ancient Elam and Persia. Ezekiel was familiar with Elam, according to Ezekiel 32:24-25, but he did not include Elam in the lineup of invaders in Ezekiel 38. Elam was probably intentionally omitted, because it is the subject of its own distinctly different prophecy, outlined by Jeremiah. The area of Elam is one-tenth of modern-day Iran, being located between the Persian Gulf. The Iranian nuclear reactor is located today in the southern portion of this precise area at Boucher, on the coast of the Persian Gulf. The destruction of Elam is imminent and is most likely to occur before the fulfillment of the war described in Psalm 83. There is a possibility that Israel might militarily strike the Boucher reactor, which, in turn, would trigger the Psalm 83 war in which all the nations with a common border with Israel will unite and attack Israel with the purpose of annihilating the Jewish state. Jeremiah informs us that the attack upon the ancient territory of Elam will produce numerous refugees, perhaps even turning into a humanitarian crisis. Exiles will be dispersed worldwide, as if being blown about by overpowering winds. Additionally, Jeremiah says that Elam has stirred up the Lord's anger, 
and that provokes the Lord to cause a severe disaster inside of Iran. God's fierce anger will be focused on the area of Elam because Iran is using that area to develop a nuclear weapon which it has declared that it will use to destroy the Jewish state. Russia leads a coalition against Israel. Now you will not find the name Russia anywhere in the Bible. But the nation we know as Russia figures prominently in prophecy. In Ezekiel's list of ten names, the third name, Rush, is most likely the territory we know as Russia. Not only do the two names bear phonetic similarity, but Ezekiel's description of the location also points to Russia. Now biblical prophets assumed Israel to be the center of the world. Whenever we find compass points or geographical directions in prophecy, they are given in relation to the position of Israel. Ezekiel and Daniel both describe Israel's end-times aggressor as descending from the north. Daniel used the phrase king of the north to describe the commander of the alliance, Daniel 11:5-35. Ezekiel's prophecy lends support to Daniel's, indicating the invading armies will arrive in Israel from the far north, Ezekiel 38:6-15. Russia is the only modern nation to match this description. Now for those that might not be aware, but Putin wrote an article titled The Historical Unity of Russians and Ukrainians which he published on the Kremlin website which experts are saying is his final ultimatum to Ukraine and his justification for war. In the essay he says that Ukraine is a part of the historical lands of Russia and that they are to be reunited as one, as the heirs of the ancient prince of Rus, Rush, which is called out in the Ezekiel chapter 38 Gog of Magog prophecy. Now the descendants of Gomer, originally located in the territory north of the Black Sea which is today Ukraine, will be one of those under his control. It is also worth mentioning that recently also that after Israel sided with Ukraine, the Russian response came when Russia's delegation to the UN issued a condemnation of Israel's construction plans in the Golan Heights. The Russian statement said, Since 1949, Russia does not recognize Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights that are part of Syria. Is this also a possible threat of the impending future war to bring the Ezekiel 38 prophecy alliance together as a major on-ramp for end-time prophecy fulfillment? what Russia's potential future alliance will look like. First the commander of the alliance. Gog, Ezekiel 38 1-2, 7, the name of a person, Putin, rather than a nation. Nations in the alliance. Magog, modern-day stand countries, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, and Afghanistan. Home of Gog, Noah's second son, Genesis 10 2, 1 Chronicles 1 5, Revelation 28. Today, these nations are predominantly Muslim. Rush, modern-day Russia. Ruled by Gog. Meshek and Tubal. Many experts identify these as territories in modern Turkey. The fifth and sixth sons of Noah, Genesis 10-2. Persia, changed its name to Iran in 1935. Fiercely opposes Israel today. Ethiopia, modern-day Sudan and Ethiopia. Founded by Cush, grandson of Noah, Genesis 10-6. Sudan is one of Israel's greatest enemies. Libya, the same as modern-day Libya. Founded by Put, the grandson of Noah, Genesis 10-6. Has current ties with Russia. Gomer, modern Ukraine. First son of Japheth, grandson of Noah, Genesis 10-2. Togarma, from the far north, Ezekiel 38-6, possibly modern-day Turkey. Third son of Gomer, great-grandson of Noah, Genesis 10-3. These are the potential nations that will form a coalition and march against Israel setting the stage for this gigantic world war focused on the Holy Land. It is mentioned in, Ezekiel 38 12-13, that these nations will come down in Israel to try and take a spoil. Now we can't say for sure what that spoil is, but I believe it will have something to do with all the oil and gas that Israel produces. Now with the current conflict in Ukraine, many of the NATO European nations are looking for alternative gas and oil supplies, 
So one of the ways that Russia and co may come is to stop any such future big deals with these European nations. But as these armies reach the mountains of Israel, something supernatural will occur. As described in, Ezekiel 38 14-22, God will rise and destroy the invading Islamic and Russian forces. His method of destruction, He will rain fire and brimstone down from heaven. This will destroy every jet fighter in the air. At the same time, God will cause a great earthquake to occur that will shake the entire world. This will destroy and dismantle all armored vehicles and cause major casualties on the ground. For those who survive the earthquake, He will then cause mass confusion amongst the armies, and they will begin to kill each other. The book of Ezekiel further states that those that are not killed in the previous three ways will be killed by plagues, wild animals, and plain old fear. Simply put, they'll be scared to death. 83% of the invading armies will die in the mountains of Israel in the worst military defeat in history. It will take seven months to bury the dead, Ezekiel 39 12, and Israel will burn the weapons left behind for seven years, Ezekiel 39 9. Now I believe this will be during the seven-year peace treaty that the Antichrist will reveal himself to the world. So, in conclusion, I believe Russia will come against Israel, but I think we just might see some other prophetic fulfillments before Israel is attacked by them. Remember China has also its eyes on Taiwan. The Red Horseman. Now I believe everything happening right now is part of the work of the Red Horseman, Revelation 6 3-4, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. For another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. Yes, a time of wars and threats of war takes peace from the earth and during this time it describes bloodshed and major wars breaking out all over the world, and the very soon World War III. Once again some believe this only happens once the rapture has happened, but I believe this horse is already released and started the first two world wars and will continue to build momentum. Matthew 24 6 And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Here are some tips for those left after the rapture that you can warn your family. Food slash water supplies and general survival tips during the tribulation period. As I have mentioned before, the first and most important thing you should do if you miss the rapture is to give your life to Jesus Christ. Because as we move further into the tribulation period, things are only going to get a lot worse. The second thing you should think about is your food, water and medical supplies. It would be best to stock up on heaps of bottled water. Bottled water has an estimated shelf life of around 2 to 4 years. Buying canned food such as canned juices, meats, tuna, chicken, ham, vegetables, soups, and fruits will also be handy to stock up on. Most canned goods have a shelf life of around 2 to 3 years. You will also need to stock up on basic medical supplies and any other type of medication you may need. Other important things would be your Bible, mandatory, shelter, cell phone, warm clothing, sleeping bag, tent, torch-slash-flashlight, hunting knife and waterproof matches. If you have any family members or friends that have also missed the rapture, it would be best to keep in close contact with them and stay together in a group, rather than being by yourself during the tribulation period. It would be wise to take out a lot of your money or personal savings out of the bank and keep it in a safe place. The Antichrist and false prophet will eventually control the whole financial and banking system during the tribulation, so I wouldn't be putting my trust in the banks during this time. Just remember that you may only get a chance to buy these supplies during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. In the second half of the tribulation the Antichrist and false prophet will introduce the mark of the beast which I have done teachings about. During the second half of the tribulation period, the only way you can buy or sell something is if you take the mark of the beast, but do not take this mark. If you take this mark, you will go to hell.